I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Wanna be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackcompat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade on the street in Wicked Anime and Black Compat proudly present Duckamuck in Japan. Bastards and wenches, welcome to episode six of Duckamuck in Japan, home for the holidays. I am your King Baby Duck Evan Borgo. Thank you as always for tuning in and joining us as always is our Pokemon Master Elite Four, Derek. Um, I tried to catch them all, couldn't catch them all. Apparently, summer region exclusive. I gotta go to China. I'll be right back. <laughs> The creator of Solarian Sun, AFLM. Hey, that's me. And fellow teacher and Tetris King John Star. I'm playing God of War. That's not Tetris. That's not Tetris. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yes. So, guys, how was your Thanksgiving? Good. I would yeah. say that this is probably. So, full disclosure, Thanksgiving is probably my least favorite holiday because it's it's not like a fun relaxing holiday i like being one of the young able-bodied fit men in the family it's it's a day of like oh your great aunt's here go help her take things out of the car oh hey we need this table moved can you move this table hey why are you sitting down we have things to do it's just like okay guys you know like it, so so some sometimes last year when I had the flu it was actually kind of awesome because it's like <laughs> man I don't have to do any of this stuff this is great but the flu is it was awful don't get the flu yes um, but but this year in particular this year in particular was probably the best year of Thanksgiving I have ever had like legit it was it was just the food was amazing it was actually fairly relaxing uh, we we had a good time we had a really good time I'll take it you were there too John Stark. Yeah, I have the opposite uh, feeling of Andrew. I actually very much enjoy our Thanksgiving all the time, regardless of the labor. Uh, we have like close to 30 people at our Thanksgiving, and uh, we uh, traded in football in the backyard for kickball this year, yeah, um, really which which was super fun to play with a bunch of people who were like we were some of the youngest at you know 33, so it's like a good old time. <laughs> and we still got hurt. 
Yeah. I got hurt. Yeah, every, everybody got hurt. Everybody got we hurt. Play, we played with one of those like giant exercise balls, you know, the ones that are like huge <laughs> and really fun to. And and I kicked it with just my foot, and not my shin as well, and just my foot just turned, you know. <laughs> I was like, yep. I was like, yep. All right. Uh, that's that was fun, guys. All right, let's let's go inside. Now, Dessert do you play um, kickball? normal rules or do you play by the pepsi bottle rules um no i'm guessing that um pepsi bottle is that like you you have that as the catcher and if it knocks over then it's an out well if they knock it out if so if if the if the opposing team knocks it out it's an out but if you kick it and you knock it down it's a home run oh got it uh Yep, yeah, no, we didn't we didn't do that. We did uh three outs, but everybody still got up to bat. Because there's only five people per team. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways. Very casual. Yeah. Kickball, the game, the the national sport of Japan, as you all know. <laughs> I I think there's gotta be some kickball teams here in Japan. Kickballu. Kickballu. <laughs> What about you, Derek? What were you doing for the Thanksgiving holiday? Uh, well, I went uh, a little out west in the state to visit uh, one half of my clan. <laughs> um, so my dad has a little bit of a big family. Got him, his two brothers, and his 13 sisters. Um, oh. So I've got almost 40 cousins, over 10 second cousins. Um, I mean, they're procreating too. I, I really don't, I can't follow the tree at this point. <laughs> but um, one of my aunts actually owns a diner. So they close down for the day and they just use the diner as the Thanksgiving location every year. Because it's filled oh, with a lot of people. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, that's rad. Yeah, that's uh, so, um, good convenient thing to have. On the years where it snows, We'd usually all take like a group walk down to like the graveyard right down the street and have like a mini snowball fight. And there was that one year that one of my cousins accidentally hit grandma with a rock inside of a snowball and never let him live that one down. (laughs) (laughs) But there was uh, no snow this year. So uh, instead we played an almost violent game of Uno. How do you describe (laughs) an almost violent game of Uno? Oh, yeah, because apparently they added some sort of rule in there that I'd never heard of, where if you have an identical card than the one that's played, you can, like, skip your turn in line and play that, but only if you do it before the next person plays their card. Huh. Oh, wow. Yeah, Ooh. I've... Um, yeah, I had I've... to learn that one on the fly, so we were basically, like, punching each other, trying to get cards to the freaking middle of the table. <laughs> I, I've had it before where if somebody puts down like a draw two card, if somebody if the next person has a draw two card to match that, then they can put that down and pass it to draw four to the next person in line. Oh, we did that, too. And we had a uh, stacked plus eight draw uh, wild card. <laughs> <laughs> Uno, that man. was yeah. uh, only a little bloodshed, but it, it was a good Thanksgiving. That's good. That's good. good. Yeah. So being here in Japan, like this was the first time I felt like I was missing out on something, like something special. Yep. Because like here in Japan, so we don't have the American Thanksgiving, but we have what's known as, and it falls on the same time period, 
Labor Thanksgiving Day. And Labor Thanksgiving Day is kind of like Japan's version of Labor Day. Where instead of giving thanks to family, it's more giving thanks to those who are in the workforce. So everybody gets the day off on this Thanksgiving, which at first. Which means they all work. <laughs> You'd be surprised, actually. Like, there were a lot of people walking about on Thanksgiving Day on, in Tokyo and Ikibukuro. And trying to get something that was close to a Thanksgiving dinner here is next to impossible. Because first and foremost, it's everybody's going out to eat on this day. So there's like two to three hour waits for just about every single restaurant around here. And then second, it's, you know, when it comes to finding something that's close to Turkey, there's very, very slim pickings. Which is fine because Turkey is the worst bird meat. I would have to disagree with you on that one. I do love myself a good turkey, like a good turkey leg. But also, I, Evan would never touch duck. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that once I said it. Like, oops, cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have actually have tried duck, and I think duck is very gamey. Like, it's not my kind of like bird meat. So. <laughs> Out of the choices I had for doing, like, some sort of a chicken dish, I had either KFC and I had TGI Fridays. Wow. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) And I... Wait, those are out there? Why? They suck over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I realized that now, choosing the ladder, like, I should... This was the thing. I was so trying oh, hard not no, to go <laughs> I was trying hard not to be stubborn. I I was being stubborn with like, oh, uh, but I'm already planning to do KFC for Christmas yeah. Eve and all this. I'm stuff. gonna have KFC for Christmas. It was like I don't want to do it for Thanksgiving too. It was like ah, I I should not have been stubborn. I should have just bit the bullet, gone to the KFC and Ikibukuro, and had myself a good meal. But I had to be like, oh. Maybe the TGI Fridays won't be as bad as it is in America, and (laughs) it's not as bad, but only by, like, this microscopic-sized bit. You could say by a microwave-sized bit, Uh, because TGI Fridays only runs on microwaves. It's just it's only better because they're using Japanese microwaves. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. But it says nice compliments to the food while it cooks. (laughs) That's right. Ah, Genki days. Uh, Oh, she maybe. That's what makes it Kobe. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice words. But yeah, I I missed out on Thanksgiving. I met I I really did miss out on being with the family. This was the first time I think since I moved out here that I genuinely missed that atmosphere. This might be like an uh, an ask duck anything sort of question, but like, did you call your family during that time? Did you like did you do like a Google Meet? Did you have yes. any communication? Yeah. Right. So I did. So because by the time that. My family would have sat down for dinner and all that. It was it'd be Friday, 
over here in mm. Japan. So I had to wait an entire day for me to call up on WhatsApp and talk to、mm. my entire family that day on their Thanksgiving day. Mm-hmm. So that should have been the day you went to TGI Fridays because it would have been Friday for you. <laughs> But I had school that day, so I couldn't.、Uh, Who needs school? I do! It's my job! <laughs> You've already learned it. In front of the kids. A little power move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just have like, you know, frozen mozzarella sticks as you're walking around the classroom and just like nomming us. <laughs> Get it right frozen potato skins. That's right. Yep, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But. No. Eyes on paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> TGI, TGI Thanksgiving, am I right? <laughs> Little bits of bacon like falling on your students' work as they're writing on papers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've learned my lesson. I, I'll. I won't be stubborn next year. I'll, I'll just do the fuck it KFC for Thanksgiving next year. But I'll still <laughs> miss out on the other parts of Thanksgiving. So I figured we'll talk about for this episode, since it's home for the holidays, we'll talk about Christmas and the differences in Japan compared to the West. What you, what you guys are currently going through right now with the Christmas season compared to what I'm currently going through this Christmas season. Mm hmm. But today, I want to start off with a couple of shout outs. First and foremost, I want to give a shout out to a band that I've been Facebook friends with since 2010, but finally got to meet in person after all these years. And that band、mm. is called Moja. Now, their drummer, Haruhiko, actually studied in Boston at Berkeley. So she has some ties to the Boston area. And、wow, cool. they played at the Ruby Room in Shibuya, a very nice bar and performance space area where one guy worked both the lights and soundboard at the same time. Oh, man. Dude, you should have seen this guy like one hand on the lights, one hand on the soundboard, and he's just like wiggling his fingers like crazy during like both sets that were playing. It was quite the sight to see. Wow, he's a ladies' man. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume so. I would assume so. So, I got to see these guys for the first time play, and they had a really good opener, too. They were called the Black Door Blues. The drummer and guitarist was from Japan, and the vocalist guitarist was from Mexico. So, like, the, the drummer will be playing like, the guitar at the same time during a couple of songs. Nice. And they put on a really good opening set. And then my friends in Moja come on, and I was very glad that they gave out free earplugs at the show because it was loud. One of the loudest shows I think I have ever been to. And they are a drum and bass duo. So, like, you can imagine、ah. just how bombastic, like, this,、um, what was it, Masumi. Uh, made his bass guitar while he was playing it. Did anybody get naked at this show? No. No. No nakedness at this show.、Um, I don't think I will see any more nudity until、uh, I see Electric Eel Shock again perform. <laughs> But I was very glad to see these guys live. They're actually in Paris right now for a couple of shows. 
but they'll be coming back to Tokyo soon after that. We might meet up for lunch too. So cool. I think it's really cool. And then, TGIF Friday's right around the corner. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, you want to go to TGIF Fridays? <laughs> there, maybe we'll go to that Samurai Girl Showcase restaurant that took the place of the robot restaurant. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, maybe. And then the other shout out I want to give. So I wound up arriving very, very early for a show that I'll be talking about later on. Um, I misread the ticket, thought it said uh, 1,600 hours, was actually 1,800 hours. So I had two oh, wow. hours to kill. So I wound up at the front of Shimokitazawa Station, and I saw this girl with a guitar and a Bluetooth speaker singing her heart out, and her name was Imai Imai. And I stood there watching her perform her 20-minute set, which almost ended early because her speaker sounded like it was close to dying during the final song. Mm. Um, I thought she did a great job. I liked her sound. She had a very folk rock style of the guitar playing that really grabbed my attention. She does free shows regularly in person and online via TikTok and some place called AWA Lounge and if you listeners want to check out her stuff I will be applying links to her stuff in the official post of this podcast show see this is the kind of stuff that will be good when Evan finally gets his music industry license there in Japan so they can like discover these people on the road and be like I really like them yeah and then I could tell the record executives sign them but don't change anything about them. Because that's always Hello. the big issue. That's always the big issue is like they get signed and then like that's when the big wigs come in and say like, fire your bass guitarist. Which actually happened to a couple of bands that I know of. Mm. So. Bass discrimination. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do have to ask, by the way, is like the... AWA, um, what was it stadium or lounge or whatever it was called? AWA is lounge. that along the AWA lounge? Is that along the same lines as like Uwu? <laughs> is it Awa? Awa. <laughs> supposed to be Awa. big wide. <laughs> I'm not sure. I I I, th- I couldn't figure out what Awa actually stood for. Like I looked everywhere, but I couldn't find something. I couldn't find it. So is it? Is it a band camp like site but um, for foreign for like international or Japan? It's for Japan and it looks like it's an online performance space. Interesting. Yeah. So I know in the last episode I was talking about the Dagashi that I found in Oyama Happy Road. And I had forgot to mention something that I found really interesting two doors down from that Dagashi. So the very first time, this is back in October, um, I go down there and I find what looks like an art shop. And I look inside and noticed that they had what I thought were some mock-up Banksy artwork. And I'm looking around and I discover this book. And inside, they were containing more works of Banksy with very high price tags 
certificates of authenticity and a label that read Dismayland, the art exhibition that he made a few years back. And I quickly realized that I was touching legit Banksy artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you... What? How can you have a certificate of authenticity? of authenticity if no one knows who he is Hmm. how do you authenticate it so i'm glad you asked this because from what i understand banksy does this a lot he is notorious for opening up pop-up shops and places you would least expect it without any fanfare whatsoever a few years ago Banksy once sold artworks in Central Park for $50 with an old man acting as the caretaker of the works. And nobody knew that it was Banksy artwork until the guy had like closed up shop and Banksy had posted someplace that he had actually done this thing. And there was an old man too that was working the shop in Oyama. So I figured that it was something like that because one week after I first went there, the shop was gone. Mm-hmm. So I think it was Banksy that really set this whole thing up and just put it right in the middle of this old Japanese shopping arcade place. Wait, do you think that's who sold me my last badge at the last anime convention? For the vanishing <laughs> shop? Wouldn't that be <laughs> That would be pretty funny. Thanks, Banksy. I'm not saying 100% guaranteed that that was a 100% authentic Banksy shop, but I found it interesting, like, I find it, and then, like, a couple days later, the whole shop is completely gone. Mm-hmm. So. No, that's interesting about the pop-up shops. I never heard about that before, and obviously he has a online presence, so him confirming it that way is like, oh, guess who it was? So who knows? Who knows? I don't think he's written anything about being or having this Oyama art display shop. So we'll see. Who knows? What could have been? It could have been. All right, let's do a round of Ask Duck Anything as we will go into alphabetical order. AFLM, Elite Four, Derek, and John Starr. You guys, two rounds. Ask me anything about my current stay here in Japan. So you have you have found the pseudo quote unquote American uh, fast food and and um, chain restaurants. Yes. What other chain restaurants from America have you seen besides TGI Fridays and KFC and of course the sta- staple McDonald's and all that? Um, there is the Carl's Jr. in Akihabara. Okay. Um. I'm trying to think. Wendy's is there. So the thing about Wendy's is they call it Wendy's First Kitchen. And Hmm. more people refer to it as First Kitchen than they do Wendy's. And they shorten it to fuckies. No. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I fuckies with that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not joking. They call it fuckies. (laughs) <laughs> wow. That's silly. 
Do they sell soap to wash your mouth out with that kind of language? <laughs> no, they sell you one of those nice melon soda floats to wash it down afterwards. Mm. Um, cool. Bur- Burger King's there. Uh, there's a, I forget if it's a Korean fast food joint there. God, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's like Colette, Bullets, or something like that. I've, I've had it once. It was pretty decent. But mm-hmm. they also they do have Shake Shack as well. Um, but the shakes taste really weird here in Japan compared to the Shake Shacks in America. Like, I don't know what it is that they do with the flavoring, but it's not, it's mm-hmm. not as chocolatey. Like, I had the black right. and white shake, and <laughs> it's it's weird to say it like this. It didn't taste black and whitey. <laughs> it wasn't it's black weird. enough, man. Was it black enough That's or right. was it white enough? It was this weird, like... Bruno Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even describe the flavor, but it just was not what you would get from an American shake shack all right yeah um maybe it's the pasteurization or you know or however they you know make the chocolate (laughs) yeah that are like the chemicals that they can't use in japan that they can use in the united states or or the sugar content you know who knows when i say hi you say fructose hi fructose No, no other like bigger chain restaurants. No, no, like, I, no, I've been no, all, no Olive Gardens. No, no Olive Gardens. There is a Panda Express in Shibuya, which makes me ask why. <laughs> but there's no Olive Gardens. <laughs> mm. There is no cheesecake factories here, because I have been like I'm talking to my teachers about cheesecake factory, and just yeah. how like. Because they were, we, one of the questions we had with one of our students for for, for their upcoming test is the fattiest food, mm, the fatty, mm-hmm. not the fattiest food, the fattiest dessert. And I always go back to mm. the Reese's peanut butter cup cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. Do not talk shit about Reese's cups. <laughs> no, dude, I will not talk shit. I talk highly. I know that shit is fatty. <laughs> And I will eat that up yeah, every time. Like, that's why. That's why I'm eating it. <laughs> and like, yeah, I miss um, that so much. Like, finding, trying to find peanut butter cups in Japan is so, like impossible. Like, I'm even hoping, like, with this Christmas season, like, I'd at least find like, do you know, like, those Christmas bells that are, they're not Reese's, but they are, but they're they're more smoother chocolate with peanut butter inside. Vaguely, yeah. Some some of them have caramel too, right? Yes, some of them have caramel. It's like either too. peanut or caramel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've been trying to find those. Um, so there's a store in Japan called Caldi Coffee that that sells like imported foods from all across the world, and like they have imported Christmas chocolates. And I'm trying to see if they sell those. Christmas bells well, with either the caramel or the peanut butter inside of it. And mm. so far, no luck. Well, well. I, I will say, back when I was in high school, we had a Swiss exchange program, and the Swiss kids came over here, and like Switzerland's known for their chocolate. Like right. They've got hands yes. down some of the best chocolate. So, like, 
you know, they brought some of theirs, but they were like, wait, but do you have Reese's cups? We'll trade you. <laughs> and that was it. They went crazy over Reese's cups specifically. And we all got to try Swiss chocolates because we all had a connection with Reese's cups. <laughs> nice. Like, I yeah, can't man. even. You can't, I, I, you can't yes. eat the Reese's cup. Yes. You can't. You can't. Very, very good example of bringing up a Reese's cup cheesecake as a, a fatty yet good dessert. Because yes, that is that should be an international delicacy. Yeah. And like, there isn't even a Japanese candy that's like the Japanese equivalent of Reese's. Like, there's not even like a Japanese candy that has chocolate and peanut butter inside of it. And it's like, well, that's what I mean. It's driving like, me mad, man. They because they don't have a great selection of peanut butter to begin with, and then they also don't have a lot of cheese, right? You know, cheese is also kind of hard pressed to find in Japan. So oh, yeah. making making like a decadent peanut butter cheesecake. You're just kind of losing that battle almost immediately, you know? Yeah. I know. It, it's so. Womp, womp. I know. It is so. So sad. Yeah. There we go. There we go. All right. Derek, what's your question? Okay. Um, well, I didn't mean to keep it on food, but my question was food related. Um, what are the biggest or main differences that you've seen in chain restaurants such as KFC? Are there any different offerings that you know have caught your eye or stuff that's missing that you wish was there? Um, yeah. They, it's not that they are lacking anything, they add things to the menu. Like with KFC, they, add, they have a very good chocolate cake you can order for dessert. Hmm. But you can still get a famous bowl too. Yes, you can get a famous bowl. So yes. Like, so like, so like the menu for er, KFC in Japan is the same as it is in America, but they ha- have like additions in like the dessert aspect. Interesting. Okay. We've talked about like the Starbucks end of things too, where you're like, oh well, you know, have you heard of this? Because Japan has this, and you guys don't have that. So I was wondering if there are any other different things that have popped up in familiar locations that aren't necessarily, you know, what you'd come to expect in those locations. Um, let's see. I know for the McDonald's, they have a really good burger with a fried egg on top of it. Ooh, nice. Ooh. It's really good, really tasty. Oh, yeah, fried egg on burger is just awesome. Yeah. Um, actually, there is a burger chain... Um, I think it's based out of Hawaii that's an Ikibukuro and I've been meaning to tr- check it out sometime in Sunshine City that specializes of like of burgers and eggs on top of it. it every time I go past there like I'm not in the mood for burgers at the time so I gotta go there when I am in the mood for a burger right yeah it's like and yeah, I don't want to say it's Big Kahuna Burger because that's a Pulp Fiction one, but it's got a name very similar. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> and I think just the taste in general. It tastes a lot better. And you get full from less because it doesn't have, as we've t- mentioned here many times in the show, it doesn't have the, the shitty chemicals that still make you feel hungry after eating like two cheeseburgers and a medium fry. Mm-hmm. Well, when you eat two cheeseburgers and a medium fry and have an upset stomach, do you know what the trick is? Sprite. 
And a McChicken. <laughs> Sprite and a McChicken? Mm-hmm. Yep. Just just keep shoving it down there. It'll be fine eventually. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> just keep piling it in. Keep yep. piling it in. This will soak it up. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the McRib is back. Ooh, McRib. Only for a limited time. Go quick. It's made to look like a real rib. <laughs> That's what's funny is like I don't I don't eat fast food a whole lot and uh, but like back in college I had I had the McRib when it was when it was out there and it was like oh yeah we had these at like our school cafeteria once before you know <laughs> like it was like it's yeah. like that quality. Did they just? shove meat into a jello mold and hope for the yeah, best. Yeah, like and make it they, they like put it in like one of those Play-Doh molders and, yeah, and like make yeah. it look like a rib. <laughs> it's like a miniature version of the big dinosaur rib from the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but made from basically Play-Doh that tastes like meat. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's got that familiar flavor like it, it doesn't taste like anything but it's still like a mm, I know what this is you know <laughs> you know what I mean and, and there's a difference between like ground beef and whatever consistency the McRib is yeah 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 that's why Play-Doh was like the perfect comparison there because it's like um I feel like this was a gel at one point and hardened yeah you know how like uh, you know like the meatballs that come in like the SpaghettiO cans like when you have SpaghettiOs with meatballs Yep. Uh, like, yeah. What, what, like, yep. what if they just took like all those meatballs and then put it in one of the Play-Doh presses to make it look like a McRib, and then <laughs> and then put like that that like ketchup barbecue sauce all over it? That's what the McRib is. <laughs> <laughs> and they sprinkled it with a spice of yoga mat on top too. <laughs> and then some onions, cause fuck you, we class. <laughs> <laughs> look, we got vegetables. <laughs> yes. Very cool. Johnstar, what's your question? All right. All right. What questions did I miss? Because I don't want to repeat questions. Well, there were two food questions. So if you're not asking a food question, then you're pretty good. I 100% am. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Andrew said, uh, what different restaurants did you go to? And I said, what restaurants were different? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that okay. So my follow up then is uh, so we we see in like anime and other dramas and all sorts of culture that every night people go to a, a convenience store to like buy food just for that night specifically. Like, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? Like, do I go here and do I get a discount thing of a bob that because the store is closing, so they're selling it at discounted prices? Is that? How prominent is that culture on a day-to-day percent So do prominent. you do that then? Like, do sometimes you? I do? Yeah. So um, I did. I dude, I did that. I do. Awesome. I, I do that currently. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. So every Sunday, I do a little bit of grocery shopping. I grocery shop for for most of the week. Um, but. I kind of still, for dinner, like once every other day, go to either the 7-Eleven or the Family Mart, or I might go back to the Life Store grocery part to buy something for dinner that night because they have a lot of the good fresh stuff that day. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so yeah, I, I absolutely buy stuff for the day practically every single day. 
And if I'm not, then I'm either cooking something that I bought at the grocery store on Sunday, or I am going to one of the family restaurants that are close by, whether it's uh, Coco's or Caesarea or uh, one of the izakayas that are close by to me. Mm, very cool. So follow-up question to that, and this can be my second uh, question, if it counts. Yeah. Um, then, like, what is it that is mainly in your refrigerator, then, if everything is meant for, like, the day you buy it consumption? So I'm opening up my fridge here. I've got the Yakult, you know, the, the special, like, yogurt drink that they have. I've got milk. Oh, yeah. Uh, plum wine, plum sake, uh, very sweet tasting alcohol, a two liter bottle of Coke, some Bacari sweat, uh, strawberry jelly, ketchup, <laughs> butter, uh, coffee cream, uh, and pasta sauce. All right. That's what's in my fridge. And in my freezer, I have some frozen chicken. So when I want to make some like seasoned chicken, I just pull from that. Very cool. Cool. Yes. Legit, legit something that's been on my mind for a while and needed to ask. So I'm because you got to keep in mind. Is- yeah, because you got to keep in mind that my refrigerator is very small, so it's not like I could buy a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. fill it for the entire week. Hence, why uh, myself and part of the Japanese culture, we tend to. Go to the conveni every night or to a restaurant to have dinner that that, was, for that night. Dude, honestly, that was one of my favorite parts was going was ending my night going to the conveni. Mm. Uh, in Okinawa, we had a Lawson across yeah. the street, and, and it was just so... I mean, yeah, they're called convenience stores, but here in America, that doesn't necessarily like always play up to what they actually are because it's actually kind of inconvenient to go out to the convenience store. Oh yeah. But in Japan But in Japan it's actually convenient to go to the convenience store. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's, it's awesome. Conveniently located, conveniently priced, conveniently stashed. Yeah, uh actually even in even in Taiwan uh right directly across the street from my apartment building was the convenience store and then right across the classroom was also a convenience store so you go into the convenience store no matter where you are and and so ending the night going to the convenience store is pretty awesome especially because you go there you pick up a pick up a bento box maybe pick up a piece of bread and then um and then it's like oh they have ice cream here too i think i'm gonna grab an ice cream and then you know it's it's just kind of a nice way to kill a night when you were here in Japan, speaking of ice cream, did you ever try something called dandy chocolate? It sounds familiar, but I'm going to say no because I can't. Even if I even if I did, I have no recollection. So, dandy chocolate, I think, is my absolute favorite uh, ice cream here in yeah. in Japan. So, what it is is it's a bar, and. The first layer, the inside layer, is like a chocolate fudge. And then on top of that is like a a hard chocolate ice cream. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, encased in it, is a chocolate waffle cone. So basically, it's having the ice cream cone, but engulfing the entire ice cream bar. Yeah. It sounds sounds like instead of a choco taco, it's a choco egg. 
Yeah, yeah. It, does, it kind that, of is. That, it kind yeah, of that's is. kind of what it reminded me of was Choco Taco, yeah. The greatest ice cream ever made for it those who really don't know. It really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I treat myself to one or two dandy chocolates a week here. Nice. And it's dandy. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I actually uh, recently saw a photo of you uh, when you were with the band that you took pictures of. Yes. And and you did lose weight. Like you, I was just like, oh man, he's looking pretty good. Yes. <laughs> even even though you say you have you have like a a chocolate bar every every other night or something. You know? <laughs> I was just like, I was like, man, yeah, that guy that guy's lost some weight. That's pretty good. I gotta get on this chocolate bar diet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, was, you've, you've got to walk everywhere. That helps. you got to get your steps in. And it helps, like I said. 30 kilometers to... uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> and it helps that the food isn't filled with the same preservative yeah, crap. Junk, yeah. So, like, it's easy to lose that weight. Unlike in the West. Yep. One hundo. Mm -hmm. All right, Derek, what's your second question? My feelings are hurt right now. I feel fat. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, Derek, please. I, I, just, I don't I just think anybody some, could. I don't think I anybody could ever make you hot, feel fat. Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> Derek, please, my guy. You can. I don't think anybody will ever accuse you of being fat. <laughs> oh, oh my god! I didn't realize it came back to me, around to me again already. Um, Technically, it should be me, but I'm being nice. <laughs> oh well then I will be even nicer and let you take your rightful turn so I can okay. wow really all right. all right so when yeah, I just for you <laughs> when um so when I was in Japan uh no matter how healthy the food was uh at the end of the night I always I I could never really acclimate myself to the food there so every night I would still kind of get sick from the food did have you did you ever ha have that happen to you like where your your stomach, even though you're you're eating good food, like your stomach is not used to it, and therefore you you find yourself getting sick at the end of the night. Not that, but I have noticed that. I'm trying not to be like gross about it or anything like that, but I've noticed <laughs> that digesting my, <laughs> digesting it is different than it is Interesting. in America, but with the Western food. Uh huh. I feel like that's all I could say without going down a very disgusting route. Yeah, when I digest Western food, it's loud. <laughs> well, I always, I just thought it was interesting because because um, depending on what I ate, like whether it was it was because it had some sort of sauce on it, or because um, maybe maybe it was made in a way that because we cook our foods differently too. It, it doesn't necessarily have to do with cleanliness or. Or us, or whatever. Sometimes it just has to do with preparation, right? Like that. That will often, like, and your and your body has to acclimate to those kinds of things. So I didn't know if, if that was something you would um, you would experience, but it's it's perfectly fine because Japanese toilets are very comfortable. So it did not matter whether or not I had to go to the bathroom or not. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, bidets. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. Uh, Thank uh, you for days. What, I forget what the um. I forget what it is because bidet is for the the women parts. Uh, there's a there's a separate one for for the uh, for the booty, and I forget what let's it is. A, let's just call it the ass cannon. Yeah, the fountain, <laughs> the ass fountain. I guess you know the the bubbler. 
<laughs> there you go. There you go. I like that one. The bullseye. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop there. How silly. Yeah. Okay, Derek, now your turn. Oh no, I'm distracted by the bubbler. What is the most besides family and food, what do you miss most about the American Thanksgiving experience? Hmm. Or, if it's easier to answer, what's something new you've discovered besides, you know, the togetherness and food aspect of this new Thanksgiving holiday that you've come to enjoy? Ah. I guess there's that whole tradition of watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and then the Westminster Dog Show after that. It's all about that dog show, bro. Yeah, the dog (laughs) show. (laughs) F the parade. The dog show is the best. Yeah. <laughs> like, I miss watching the dog show. Like, oh, the cute puppies, the doggies. Yeah. Who's the cutest doggy of the year? And it's always this ugly ass dog with the biggest balls yeah. that wins. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Isn't it weird? They always choose like, like the judges are always like, oh, it's the ugly one. Of course. It's like, no, dude, you literally just said that the German shepherd was what was the best in his category. Why are you not choosing the German shepherd? No, but you see the ugly one was the best at being the ugly one, which is why they won in that category, because they're supposed to be ass faced ugly. <laughs> but the pug never wins. Yeah, well, they have breathing problems. <laughs> <laughs> I love pugs. They're cute. I, I love pugs, too. There's um, They remind me of Eugene from Hey mm. Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> I see quite a few people walking around with pugs in, in the Tokyo area. It's a, They are a very really? popular dog. Well, they did know originate from the East, right? Did they? That, that those are that's um the oh what is it? It's a it's a you you are correct that a gross dog did did originate from the east, but it wasn't the pug. It was um yeah. I thought it was like a pushed in face kind of dog. One of the uh, Boston Terrier. Yeah, right. The Boston Terrier. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's the one that has like um like all those other folds on it, and you have to clean the folds because you you do have to do that with pugs too. But I mean like oh my gosh, it, yes. Let's see. Dog oh. with folds from. It's a Chinese dog. Dogs yeah, with it, folds from. There it is. It's the Sharpay. The Sharpay. The Sharpay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I miss some. Um, uh, high School who, Musical. Who was the um? Who is the presenter at the Westminster Dog Show that used to be on Seinfeld? Like I miss. I miss. Yeah. Always, the Sharpay. Well, and he was actually in Best of Show as well. Yes, he was the Best in Show as well. Yeah. Yeah. What was? Oh his my name? God. Oh. John. John something. something. Yeah, John something. It's not John Larroquette. It's not John. Oh man, what is his name? But like, I missed watching that Westminster Dog Show. Yeah, I bet. Like, that's that, that's a big one. Yeah, that is the big one. Like. Forget the food. It's about the dogs, man. Dude, and, 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 and dude, how are you? Uh, no one can express how big of a scandal this is. The German Shepherd has lost his gait. He has lost his gait 
He is circling back, and the leash is around the legs of the handler. Oh my goodness! Um, man, how are you? How how is Santa gonna know to visit your house when you didn't watch him at the thanks the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? I know, I know. Did, and how is he? Didn't you know? see him waving at everybody? Yeah. <laughs> How's he gonna know where I live if I'm not at the Christmas Eve parade back in my hometown? <laughs> you don't have a no, chimney. I he just I like, elected to he share. Just comes slam, he just comes slamming through your uh, through your your sliding door on your porch like, <laughs> outside. No, I elected to share my location via um, Santa's Google app. That's right. <laughs> Do you allow this app to give permissions? That's right. <laughs> Some for the children that are listening to this show who should not be listening to this show because I think there's a parental advisory logo on this show. That's right. It's your parents' faults. Get better parents. Good night, kids. <laughs> <laughs> all right, John, what's your last question? I, I kind of asked them all with the fridge thing um, and like somewhere in there there was a follow-up question that I that has slipped my mind Come back to me. There is no comeback. This is yeah. It. This is I it. Know, you're the last <laughs> one. Last, last in line. <laughs> um, about turkeys. Yeah. Oh, oh, I got one. You know the one. worst bird that you can eat. Hey, that um, was almost the American national bird. Let's um. Yeah, they are everywhere. Let's get, let's visit the topic idea. of uh, more Thanksgiving stuff, uh, physical and argumentative altercations in Japan. Ooh, ooh! Have you <laughs> Are seen they as dramatic any? as America? <laughs> <laughs> no, they kind of keep to themselves. If someone like bumps in with one another, it's like sumimasen, gomenasai, daijobu, daijobu, and then they walk off. Ask oh, I have cards. So, <laughs> yeah, I had a punk. Kind of piggybacking. Do politics come up in family gatherings during the holidays? In Japan, I really can't answer that question. Well, eh, good point. Yeah, <laughs> you better get it yourself a Japanese family. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not for the lack of trying. <laughs> um, well, that, that was that was what was really funny. Um, I can't remember if I ever told this story on Wicked Anime or uh, or your show. You told but it like to when me. I, was, I know. I know the story. Yeah, uh, Lawrence. Um, when it, when I was in Taiwan, and of course in Taiwan, there's major tensions between China and Taiwan because they hate each other because you know Taiwan's a sovereign nation and and China's like, nah, that's not true. And then you know, war, whatever, might happen. So uh, so when I was in in Taiwan, they basically said, okay, first things first, never talk politics, don't bring up China, don't don't talk about this kind of stuff with people. Just 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 stay out of it. You know, whatever. I mean I'm a, I'm a politics guy. I like talking politics. But but I but I was like, yeah, of course, I'm not gonna talk about China. I barely know anything about it. Um, and so we go to this cafe that's over there and it's uh, and it's an English speaking cafe where where uh, Ty- Taiwanese people will go purpose uh you know for the main purpose of speaking with a an american or somebody who who speaks english to practice their own english and of course we're we're in this group of people and um and and one of the guys in the group his name is lawrence and everybody knows who lawrence is and so he uh so me and him start talking 
and you're just like, hi, like, you know, hi, my name is Andrew. What's your name? Oh, my name is Lawrence. Nice to meet you. What do you think of China? And, <laughs> and so, uh, and so it's, it's, a, it was, it just, it was the funniest thing in the world because I was just like, oh, this is my guy. Like, this is so perfect. Like, let's talk about this because he was the one who engaged it. I had nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, but I just thought it was funny how they were like, yeah, don't talk about this stuff. And the first thing they do is just like, what do you think about China? You know, it was so, yeah, I don't know if there's anything like that in Japan, but I was, I always like that story. I think that's a funny story that I got to experience in Taiwan. <laughs> you could have said, I like China, Illinois. <laughs> China, you know, China, China, Illinois. Yeah, do you know China, oh, Illinois is, is, is the best at math? <laughs> oh, man. I missed that show. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, come on um, here. It's your good pal Baby Cakes here. Oh, oh no. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I, I think Greg would be the best Baby Cakes. <laughs> yeah, he would. Greg is our Baby Cakes. <laughs> yeah, nobody else can have him. He's our Baby Cakes. Yeah, he is our Baby Cakes. There's only um, way we can change his name in Discord to Baby Cakes without him knowing. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with this? Don't worry about it, baby cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, there was a Cowboy Bebop Expo the other day. Yeah, that's pretty dope. So, it was for the 25th anniversary of the show, and it had a bunch of, like, character bios and episode descriptions, behind-the-scene tidbits of the episodes. But here's the thing. It was all in Japanese, so I couldn't read it. But I found that odd because people know that Cowboy Bebop is such an internationally beloved anime. So you would yeah, think everybody that they knows would, it's an American show. It, it was that, yeah, it's them doing an American cowboy show. But it was cool to see this in person because they were showcasing original cells and sketches from the anime, some scripts and storyboards. But. I couldn't take any pictures of it. So, like, there's, like, no footage of anything I saw, save for, like, this photo area of a replica of the swordfish that was on display and mm. a couple of, um, you know, try to replicate some of the scenes and be a part of that sort of thing. Like, I took a picture of myself on the bench that you see Spike resting on during the end credits of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Nice. And it was cool. Like, I'm surprised Ooh, yeah. that it was that it was popular. It was filled with people at this event. Because I recall hearing that Bebop really wasn't that big of a hit in Japan compared to the rest of the world. Oh. So to see that there's a lot of people there was very surprising. Dude, yeah. Bebop, uh, Cowboy Bebop is a certified hood classic here, so... What I'm curious about, was there any sort of focus on the music of Cowboy Bebop during that event? Because personally, personally, the biggest thing I appreciate about that series is not only the music, but how well the music plays into the illustration and the animation. The two seem mm -hmm. to like work together perfectly, and I love the fact that there's such a focus on the music. That is actually interesting that you point that out because despite that outside of like maybe a new Q&A section with Yoko Kano there really wasn't anything there that really showed like how the music and animation really meshed together it would have been oh. cool if they had done that 
I feel like that's the one thing that was missing from it. Honestly, it's less animation and more choreography, what they do with Cowboy Bebop. At least with like some of the battle scenes with how they play the music into the fights. No, I agree with you on that. So, now that you have said that, I am very surprised that there wasn't anything there that was music emphasized. Other than hmm. Gyoko Kano's new like, interview part. So, yeah. I think they really missed the mark on that aspect of the Cowboy Bebop exhibition. Well, ho-hum then. <laughs> but they had some exclusive merch there, and I wound up buying a plush of Ed. And Ed's my favorite character. She is my favorite character all of Cowboy Bebop. And just to have a plush of her that now sits on the desk at my school, which is which has become a conversation starter, because apparently there were... A couple of Japanese teachers who were fans of the show when it aired way back when. And nice. got to talking about Cowboy Bebop and the music and the character of Ed and everybody else. So I thought that was pretty cool. Did any of the teachers also have a crush on Faye Valentine, who was one of the best anime girls ever made? That has not come up on the conversations. Well, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. And now I actually, now that you say that, I regret not picking up the plush of her. Oh yeah, yeah, because they had the plushes of Spike, Jet, um, Faye, and Ed. And no Ein. No Ein. What? I, no. I would have figured that making a dog plush would have been pretty popular. Me too. And just Me too. making it bounce like the mushroom episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason to own an iron plush is to make it bounce up and down like that episode. If they had done that, first of all, it would cost like 20,000 yen for that plush. And second, it would have sold out by day one. Mm -hmm. Well, um, a million Wulons. (laughs) Go on the um, British Royal Family's uh, online website. There's probably a deal going on on Corgi plushes. (laughs) Oh. I, I, they, I hope they don't stuff those dogs. Keep the dogs alive. Keep the corgis alive, man. Uh, topical. Yeah. So I'm going to be talking about another music show in a second. But, Andrew, I want you to talk about the big news that you've been waiting years for to happen in America. I never lost faith that it would happen. Uh, so... Uh, everybody knows that I'm a power metal nut, and Jonathan uh, comes along with me because because we like a lot of the same music. But you know, I I go out and I discover, and then Jonathan loves. So it's 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 a it's a it's a match made in heaven between the two of us going to get to see our our favorite band. Uh, so so my fa- my favorite band, and also one of Jonathan's favorite bands ever, um, is is finally coming to the United States, and that's Twilight Force, and. The, the funny part about it is is they are coming to one of the worst places to drive in Massachusetts which is the Worcester Palladium of course and, uh, and, uh, and they are playing the upstairs of Worcester Palladium so which is, which is the small stage and they aren't even the headliner they are the opening band but none of this is stopping me from going to see my favorite band ever play uh, in in you know this coming spring 2024, 
because it is going to be the greatest thing in in the world. And I'm going to have Jonathan there with me, and then we're going to hope to bring our little brother again, just like we did with uh, with uh, Beast in Black, because he he because our brother listens to uh, Glory Hammer, which is the 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 headliner band. Yeah. And um, and so it would be fun to be like, hey, you know, you want to come see another metal show with us? And, you know, Glory Hammer's playing. You might like them. And then maybe we can get them into Twilight Force a little bit as well. Uh, but the benefit we have of it being in the upstairs, and I've already bought my, or actually me, me and Jonathan have already bought our tickets. Um, the, the benefit of it being upstairs is you can go right up to the stage and, and see them. And... Uh, it, it's kind of like being at the Middle East, where where the stage is is you you can literally touch your crotch to the stage while the band is playing. I think and, it might even be lower than that, to be honest. Yeah, who knows? It, even even so, so Jonathan and I are going to try to get up to the to the front, and then um, and then because they're the opening band, that kind of tells me they're going to be at their merch booth. So I'm gonna I like after when Gloryhammer is like setting up or they're going to start playing, I'm just going to go to the merch booth and I'm going to go talk to them. You know, tell them how much uh, like I appreciate their journey. They're my favorite band ever. Uh, you know, I, I got into power metal when my dad got sick and 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 then eventually passed away. And and they're the ones who like really brought me through the those tough times. Like that's that's when I really discovered um, the joy of power metal was getting through that tough time. And uh, and I think I don't know if they'll appreciate that or not, but uh, you know it's 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 true because because I I saw them on their I was at them at their first album. The second album wasn't even out yet, or it had just come out. Um, so, so I, I was there from the get-go, and uh, and so what I would also like to do is try to bring bring uh, copies of Solarian Sun to the show so that I can be like, gift for you. Here is my fantasy comic. You guys are part of the soundtrack. I want you, like I want you to have it, whether you read it or not. Uh, who knows if that will actually happen? But it was an idea I had, and I thought that that would be really fun. And hey, my favorite power, my my favorite fantasy power metal band will have my fantasy comic, so they might be into it. And who knows what that could, you know, help me out with? <laughs> who knows? Yeah, that'd be great, you know, dude. You should you should do an interview with them, dude. I I would love to, but I don't have uh, the only the only platform we have is is your show. So I'd basically have to pass off the um the interview dude, I would, to you. I would be and more then than you happy. run it. I would be more yeah. than happy. I would be legit more than happy to host your interview with Twilight Force on the <laughs> yeah, Boston Yeah, I bet you game. would. Yeah. Oh, they come in March to so start reaching out now. <laughs> you right. should. Dude, I will bug the living bejesus out of you to do that until you actually <laughs> do it. You you know me, man. You know. I know. I'm persistent. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put too much uh, too much stock into it though, because uh, you know it's it's the Kickstarter season for me. So I'm focusing on my on the third book, making sure that all that gets out. And, yep. Uh, and then I, you know, so I'm 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 working on three jobs right now, three full time jobs. So it's <laughs> it's a lot. I don't I don't know if I should add add attempting interview to that. So. <laughs> well, the question is, when does the Kickstarter end, and how far along is that from the concert? So the Kickstarter will end mid-February, and uh, and that means that I will be shipping into March. So uh, I, I will be I will be shipping right up until uh, the uh, the uh, the concert happens. That's because you you do all the shipping on your own. Yes, I do. <laughs> it is a Still, it is a sole it is a sole proprietor job. It is. But I'll say this, like. 
when do you think the next time they come to America? Like, this could well, be your only chance. Dude, and to be completely them. honest, to be completely honest, if that's the case, then I'm totally cool with that. Like, I just want to be there to experience it and see them. And if I get to, if I, even if I just get to sentimentally talk to them at my merch booth or at their merch booth, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good enough for me. You know, <laughs> you I, I don't want to. You pull up your merch booth and sit right next to them. I know. Merch booth. <laughs> be like, oh, funny seeing you here. <laughs> <laughs> Now that we're both here, want to just chat? Okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, I when I saw that, of course, the first thing I saw when when the announcement of Twilight Force coming to America, your comment was the first thing that, that popped up. It's like, of course, he already knew. He woke of up course. to that news. They posted it, and he's like, his his eyes popped. It was like my Facebook senses are tingling right now. Actually, you he, know what? Um, he told them to tour. That's right. Yeah. No, you know, you know what? Actually, the reality of it uh, that happened was is um, glory. I saw a glory hammer post of like, hey, we're coming to America. And I was like, oh, cool, whatever. That's that's fun. They, I mean, glory hammer has been to America before. That's neat. Um, and then I turn on my computer and I see uh, my my Twilight Force discord has a ping. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I wonder what that is. And I go into it and it's the same poster that I saw. And I was like, wait is Twilight Force saying that Glory Hammer is coming to America? And then I see, like, Tiny in the corner with special guest Twilight Force. I was like, Jonathan, look at what happened. You know, so. Yeah, and the funny thing about that was is that I had already been a couple hours into my day at that point, and right, you yeah. and I were actually posting it to the chat at the same time. So, oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna post the same picture that you posted to me, but you got <laughs> to the post first, so I just decided <laughs> to do a flork of cows meme in yep, response. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was it was it was quite wondrous. We uh, we are like like I said, Jonathan and I both have our tickets. We bought them immediately. Uh, for for an opening act in Worcester, so it's uh it's a good time. It's it's gonna be a good time. I'm I'm very excited, and and this is this is very big news because they have been to Japan two or three times now, mm-hmm. and 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 I haven't even gotten to see them once. So the fact that I'm gonna be able to see them is is just um is just wonderful. Yeah. You know, that's how I've been felt feeling about like all the bands that I've been seeing here in Japan, like bands that I've been following for well over two decades and finally seeing them in person. And I'm actually going to be talking about one of those bands up next. But I want to say that your reaction to Twilight Force finally touring America sounds exactly mm-hmm. like how I reacted when the Pillows came to America for the very first time when they announced yeah. that they were coming. And back in 2005, like I was already planning to go to New York City for my spring break because we had bought tickets to see the opening week of Monty Python Spam a lot. But we okay. had not had decided are we going to go from from Tuesday through Friday, or are we going to go from Sunday through Thursday? And then the announcement of the pillows coming to New York City for the very first time. Like, I remember, gotta remember, like, I was 20, uh, uh, calling my mom, being like, 
My favorite band from Japan is coming to New York City the same week that we're gonna be in New York City. And like, we, we like <laughs> built the trip around both the pillows and Monty Python spam a lot. And you could not ask for a better few days in New York City. Seeing yeah. the best band from Japan and then seeing hands down one of the funniest musicals ever made. So just yep. just your your level of excitement of Twilight Force coming to America for the first time is exactly how I felt when the Pillows announced that they were coming to America for the first time. Well, and the funny part about it is too is I always suspected that this was going to happen at some point, right? Mm. You know, it was it was inevitable that they have four albums out now and their their growing popularity is coming along. Uh, maybe not within like a, a huge realm. I mean, they're playing the upstairs. They, they haven't they haven't even sold enough tickets to, to you know, confirm the downstairs show. But maybe if enough people buy tickets that they'll actually move it to the downstairs show, that um, uh, that will kind of boost their availability because i mean it's like beast in black right like beast in black would be the opening was the opening band for nightwish for a long time and it wasn't it wasn't until this year that they finally toured the middle east and they sold out that show so now imagine that twilight force if they have a big enough audience at the upstairs of the palladium they could fill the middle east mm. so you know, we're talking about their own tour if they if they want to, and then they could bring something like Fellowship, right? Like they could bring Fellowship yeah. or or Sabaton. Could they could open for Sabaton, and that would be the greatest show ever, ever, ever. Uh, you know, so who knows, dude? Who knows? It this I just I just knew that this was a possibility that could happen eventually, and it is. It's happening now. I was right. I was right. I was right, and I can't be more excited. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Future is now. <laughs> I'm very happy for you guys, and hopefully, yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that Twilight Force will come to Japan again next year. And if they bring, yeah. uh, if they bring Fellowship again, that would be amazing. Because then maybe yeah, I can meet up better. with Matt, since like we're friends with him on Discord. Like, yeah, meet up with him for a bite or something like that. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah. So we'll see. And you'll have to report on the show when the time comes, dude. You'll have to report. No, on I'm that. keeping it to my. I'm keeping it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what happened? You're gonna have to experience it for yourself. Yeah, this is like I'm. Uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not even gonna talk. <laughs> I'm not even gonna talk about it. Why would I? Why do? I, why would I even want to mention this to anybody? It's my dirty Man. secret shame. Dude, that. That's gonna be that's gonna be the problem. Is too many people are gonna hear about this. Like, be like I, I want to go Twilight Force. Like I know you told us yesterday. <laughs> uh, nice. Yep. Yes. Yeah. All right. So talking about bands that I've admired for a very long time, um, especially for bands from Japan. Um, you know, I'm a big lover of Celtic punk, and if you were to ask me to make a Mount Rushmore of Celtic punk bands, that would be like the four. You know, I would start with the Pogues. You know, rest in peace, Shane McGowan, who unfortunately passed away. I would put Floggin' Molly. I would put mm-hmm. Dropkick Murphys, of course. And, and then... Obligation. Obligation. And then I would put this next band that I'm going to be talking about as the fourth group. 
and this band is called The Cherry Cokes. And I have been a fan of The Cherry Cokes since before I started doing No Borders, No Race. I discovered them on MySpace, of all things. They have, <laughs> they have played with Flog and Molly, Dropkick Murphys, Skinny Lister, Frank Turner. They have played on the Salty Dog Cruise with Flog and Molly. They have only toured America once with Flog and Molly back in 2007, but that was from like Florida to California, no Boston date. And like, mm-hmm. I thought I would never get to see him live. And just this past weekend, or two weekends ago rather, at this point, I got to see him play at Shimo Kitazawa Q. And at this show, so I finally figured out how the ticketing system works in Japan. So <laughs> each ticket, even general admission shows, have a number listed. And depending on your number is where you will stand in line. Which means that if you get to the venue early and you are first in line, you might find yourself being pushed back more and more and more if you have a high number. But that also hmm. means you don't have to show up to the venue too early. Your spot to enter is already predetermined. So I get to the venue where I instantly see signs forbidding video or photo. So it's nice to go to a gig where no one is watching the show from their cell phones. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Just lots of high and hot anticipation. And the Cherry Cokes were doing what's known as a two-man show. So two bands perform, but they both perform headliner-length sets. Oh, and, sick. And the Cherry Cokes are the first band to go on. They come out to this beautiful Irish hymn. And then right at the end of it, they just rip through the first song. But then the second song begins, and the drummer starts playing a totally different song from the other group. And they just oh, like really? a huge laugh over it. They yeah, he, <sighs> yeah, Toshi just completely fucks up. <laughs> <laughs> but once they have the laugh, they get the song started again, and the crowd goes wild, and the it basically becomes not a mosh pit, but an Irish jig pit. And just everyone's oh. just dancing around, just having a good time. And somehow I find myself very close to the stage and their front man Katsuo locks eyes with me and the reason why he locks eyes with me is because for the first time since coming to Japan and the first time since coming since going to Japanese shows I am the only white guy (laughs) at this entire show so Whitey! <laughs> yeah. What? So Katsuo looks at me, stares at me, and he goes, Are you Mexican? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> and I said, No, I'm from Boston. And he goes, Oh, you're Irish. No, I'm French Canadian. I should have said I was Irish. I felt like maybe the conversation would have. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, sure. We're all Irish tonight. But I, I really don't think it makes a difference considering that 
he called you Mexican to begin with, so it's not like he was like, "Oh, I found the Irishman." You know, it's yeah, not it's like, like that. <laughs> I, I have a perfectly, I have a perfectly sane concept of all of these things because I called you Mexican first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I just found that funny. Like I've oh, that's never awesome, been, dude. I've never been called Mexican before. Like if you. You know, like, you, I'm the whitest guy you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah, if anything, like if anything, an Italian person and being like, so you're British, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, at the end of their set, Katsuo just reached out to me and just gave me this big, firm handshake. And then uh-huh. after the show had ended, I got the chat with him, sit down with him, and I got to let him know how much I have been, how much the band has meant to me, how much the Cherry Cokes have played an influence on my life, and how I've been following them for almost since, like, their second album. Wow. And, like... Holy crap, dude. Like, his English wasn't great, but, like, we were able to chat through, like, Google Translate, and just to be able to chat with Probably one of the best Celtic punk frontman on the planet right now. It was just a really big thrill. And like that, a good time. Dude, that's, that's amazing. Amazing. Uh, I, I will say though, can we amend and not have it be Mount Rushmore and more be like the Kage Mountain from Naruto? Where <laughs> we can have more than four. More than four. <laughs> Because I got the Mighty Mighty Boss tones in my head, and I know it's not the same, like, true Celtic feel, but the Irish roots are there. That's and with sure. the Dropkick Murphys, that's that's a staple. Hmm, maybe. Um, but like The not- only time I've ever seen the Mighty Mighty Boss tones is they were when they were opening for the Dropkick Murphys. That show was awful. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I got, I got to go to their reunion concert in 2007 and that was the first and only time I crowd surfed in the downstairs Middle East (laughs) oh there you go and the security guard ripped me right down yep yeah dog but it's about the flight about the flight not the landing that's right (laughs) (laughs) but there was a second band that played they're called uh, they were a jazz group Uh, they (laughs) were called Kateni Shiagare. And of course, everybody was dressed up like they were about to commit the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Wait, is there... Nice. Do you have a translation for that band name? Uh, or is that... I had I I can't remember what it was. Um, Kateni Shiragae. I have to, like, really look this up. Uh, it translates to... Do whatever you want. <laughs> By me, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> um, they were great. I knew that I would love them because their drummer on their drum head was a doll of Pee Wee Herman. <sighs> Which, like, mm, you know, made me feel a little sentimental. Because I never, you know, we never, I never got a chance to talk about when Pee Wee, when Paul Rubens passed away and like, like how much Paul Rubens and Pee Wee Herman played an instrumental part in 
my childhood and so many other kids' childhoods. And, I, uh, Evan, I think that's why we get along. I was literally <laughs> raised on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and hey, just, Jerry. <laughs> just seeing the Pee Wee Herman doll there, it's like, yes, you, you're all right. I haven't heard a single one of your songs yet, but I know I'm going to like you. Ah, <laughs> uh, Daijobu. Daijobu. Pee-wee. Pee-wee ga daisuki. Sama. And it also wound up being the um, uh, the tenor sax player. His uh, Kentara, Kentara is his name. His 53rd birthday was that day. So, like... During their first encore, they all came out to play Happy Birthday and give him a really nice cake. That's funny. And I felt like there was a missed opportunity to not blow out the, to blow out the candles with a saxophone. Oh my gosh, they didn't do that? <laughs> they did not do that! Like, why didn't you do that? They haven't you... been enough to our comedy shows <laughs> yeah. to, to, like, to be on, on par with that. Ugh. But they were good. I got to meet some of the members after the show. Took a nice pick with them. Um, I don't know if I would check them out as a headliner, but if they were playing with other Japanese jazz groups that I follow, I would definitely go and see them then and there. Yeah, good. Yeah, so good show. And then uh, a couple days after that, so at the school I work at, there is a special day known as Theater Day. And on theater day, the entire school goes to a theater to watch either a production or a performance. So like there's like no school that day. Everyone just goes and travels to, for this, for this part, um, a part of Saitama called Kawaguchi and the theater known as Lilia, which is a very famous performance hall in that vicinity. And I got to watch um, performances of Rakugo, uh, com- stand-up comedy, and juggling. Wow. Oh, dude. <laughs> which which is actually kind of funny because the I think it was like the first or the second episode that we did for Duck Amok. Uh, I asked you about Rakugo, if you went to go see any of that or anything. Yep. Um, finally got to see that. So the show was bookended with Rakugo. So we had one performer who's, he's not new, but he's only had a few years under his belt. His name is Keika Yanagia. And then the headliner, who's been around for like well over a decade and a half, has actually starred in movies and had his own variety shows and guests on variety shows, Miyagi Katsura. And they both told, you know, the classic stories where they play all the characters. And... Mm -hmm. I could tell that these two were masters of their of their art because they managed to like quiet down the entirety of the junior and senior high students. Like every every student there, like some of them would start out chattering, but as the as the story would go on, like you start hearing less and less people talking and then I start looking around and you see all of these kids just hanging on to 
every single word that these Rakugo performers are uttering. <laughs> and no, I did not understand what the Rakugo performers were saying, but I was still very entertained by what they were conveying. Whether it's like from now, funny voices or the different ways that they might express themselves. Now the question is, is did they do the classic of uh, the the boy with the really long name? No, they did not do that one. Bummer. How do you know that one? Uh, I know it from Joshiraku. Oh, that's right. And there was also, I think there was like, was it uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood? Where they had one of the characters do it or something like that. It was like a like a special thing. Yeah, like Scar perform it. Yeah, it was Scar, and then the what was it? Brigadier General? Not was it? It was Scar and the um, eye patch guy, the pre- the president. Not not. Mm, mm. I know. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, it Tom was them. What? Yeah, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. Yeah, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. <laughs> Yes, my real name is, and it's the whole name of from the Rakugo story. Yeah. And then, yeah, Jigimau, Jigimau, Unaikatu, Unaikatu. yeah, whatever it is. Right? And then Top Cell goes, "Oh, what a coincidence! My name is also Jigoro Jigoro But no, that story was not told. Two totally different stories were told. Um, but in between the Rakugo performers, they had what's known as manzai comedy. And Monte Comedy is, it usually works as a duo. So think of like Abbott and Costello, Jerry Lewis mm. and Dean Martin, George Burns and Gracie Allen. I know in the West, this style of comedy isn't forever. Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, Jay and Silent Bob don't do real like, like stand up comedy. I mean, yes, they host podcasts, but like. Also, also neither of them are the straight man. And they're just, they're both the, the dunce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's still popular in Japan. Yeah. And the Manzai comedy duo that I saw there was called Eito Bridge. Um, there is a lot of wordplay that happened that went over my head, but <laughs> they... Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> they managed to transcend language and humor with a bit involving... A convenience store robbery. So there's the two. There's a duo of Tomohito and Takashi. And Takashi is definitely the straight man of the two. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to do this bit about a convenience store robbery. And every time Tomohiro keeps messing up the bit. To the point where it's like Taka, Takashi gets so fed up that he takes over the role as the robber. And then it just completely <laughs> diverges into chaos and like you didn't have to know the language to fully understand what was going on like it was just funny seeing these two just like rip the shit out of each other trying to get this bit done right where now i guess the question is is uh did any of the um did any of the students laugh like were they laughing out loud along with it oh yeah oh my god dude that that's the that's the interesting thing is like the kids are laughing at the comedy shows in the way that you're supposed to be laughing at comedy shows. Because yep. sometimes you'll you'll watch like a comedy show on Japanese television and like 
sometimes like the audience is like completely silent and I can imagine how awkward and uncomfortable that must be for the performers. But at these shows for the kids, like they're laughing, they're, they're hooting, they're hollering, they're properly expressing themselves in the way that you're supposed to when going to a comedy show. Yeah, because, um, well, I mean, Jonathan and I have experienced it with like the panels that we do sometimes. Sometimes the audience just doesn't reciprocate and it's really weird. Um, but uh, it is really interesting because because I, I don't know. I, I mean, we, we've di- we've discussed this a couple times on on your episodes that, you know, no matter where you are, or what or what uh, country you're in, kids are kids. And um, I'm guessing that even in Japanese schools, you would have those who have the too cool for school attitude. And, oh, yeah, without and, I, and I and I know for a fact that even if students like especially kids from our high school, like if, if you went to back in, you know, 2004 to 2008 and you were in high school and you brought a comedy performer to the school, the kids in our school would just heckle and they wouldn't try to enjoy the show as a comedy show uh, and they would be uh, too cool for school for it. And uh, and and so I, I just didn't know if like you had any of that experience of like the kids are just like, oh, we're going to see a stupid comedy show. Huh? Oh, like, no. And the, and the no. things and the things that the kids would yell would get you canceled in today's day and age. <laughs> You're blank. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they actually had a great time. Like. If there was a kid that was too cool for school, they did not show that side at this performance. Nice. Even during the uh, the juggler, uh, Wasuke Okinaya, like even d- when the juggler was on, there wasn't anyone being like, like this is stupid and stuff. Like, no. Yeah, juggling, what are we, babies? <laughs> like, <laughs> they were watching as this juggler was using his umbrella to spin and balance objects, and then using his mouth and chin to like balance whole tea sets and kettles and then walking over big giant gaps and it got interesting when they invited the principal of the school onto the stage and they tried to uh, get him involved with one of the routines involving knives (laughs) so he had so the juggler had the um principal lay on his side so that he wouldn't see what it is that he was holding and the principal looks up and he just like bolts right off the stage when he sees (laughs) these three ginormous knives that he's holding but then he came back afterwards and like no you'll you'll be fine mr principal you'll be fine i've been doing this for a very very long time and then you know principal's like okay sure all right fine i and he did well. He did fine. He did okay. That's great. Yeah. I actually talked to the principal afterwards and like to, he was such a good sport. He 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 enjoyed himself. He enjoyed himself. So he wasn't in on the bit like it was actually No, no, like he was no, he was in on the bit, but I didn't okay. know if he knew what part of the bit he was going to be a part of. Mhm. So I didn't know if that was a genuine um, feeling of surprise that he had when he saw the giant knives or if that might have been planned. 
<laughs> or he's an amazing player. actor. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like it's good that he did that because so right now in school we're doing um, test prep and during this next test prep kids have to describe a certain job and a couple of kids have principal listed and both of these kids have listed as a description of of the of the principal as he's scary. <laughs> and like I'm hoping that now that the kids have seen him do this that They'll think of him as less scary. He's stronger than knives. <laughs> <laughs> that means he's pretty strong. Definitely pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, that seeing Rakugo, Manzai, juggling, that was a good show. I had a very good time. And it was actually cool. This was actually my first time outside of Tokyo since coming here to Tokyo. So I had mm. an opportunity just to do a little exploring. Um, you know, what's funny is that, like, I feel like we should almost keep, like, a duck-a-muck, um, uh, like, bucket list, you know, as where you talk about things on the show and we're like, and oh, you're yeah. like, a duck oh, list. A ducket yeah. list. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, Rakugo would be one of the things that we would check off that list now, you know? It's just... All right. That's pretty good. I think I should have you guys be in charge of that list because I feel like if I was in charge of the list, I, I'd probably might chicken out and might just do a couple, you know, little things here and there. But I feel like you guys would come up with some really good things for me to try to experience. That sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, duck it. Yeah. yeah. Put it on the duck it list. Added to the ducket. <laughs> Sorry for all the random horns beeping in the background here. <laughs> not sure if you can hear those yet. or not. I actually have yeah. not okay, heard good. any. Good. My microphone likes me and only me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I finally got to see the new Makoto Shinkai movie. Suzume finally came mm-hmm. out to Crunchyroll the other day. Um, it was all right. I think that, I think that's the best way to sum up this movie. It was all right. That like sounds most part of the yeah, course. like like most Makoto Shinkai films. Yeah. So you know, basically, a premise: this girl Suzume, he meets a guy who needs to close certain portals to keep giant smoke worms from destroying Japan, and then the guy gets turned into a chair by a talking cat who once served as the guardian of these doors and these giant worms, they cause massive earthquakes that can kill millions of people. You know, the usual Makoto Shinkai kind of mm-hmm. movie. I will and say- then it all en- And then it all ends in a coincidence. And everybody were like, wow, <laughs> that, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm still gonna watch it. I'm still gonna watch it. So I'm gonna watch it. I will say that the first half of the film is pretty entertaining. I do like the back and forth between Suzume and the now chair guy. And I'm, I'm not even calling him by name because the, the chair guy, his he's he's pretty forgettable. Um, mm. Suzume carried her own film from, and from what I understand, so I think this was, Makoto Shinkai kind of did this out of spite because Makoto Shinkai actually wanted to make this a Yeri movie but was forced to change it by his producers. 
And I'm going to guess because China funds some of this movie. And oh, you can't have a same-sex couple in this film because China then won't play it. Well, then I would be like, well, I guess China's not going to get this movie. Anyway, anyways, the, and then the second half happens, and it's the same thing as both Your Name and Weathering With You. One character loses another character, and then they search through hell and high water to find them with the hopes that they could be together forever. And it, like, when it reached that point, it, it kind of made me lose my interest in the film. <laughs> it turned into a Makoto Shinkai film. Yeah, it turned into a Makoto Shinkai movie. Well, uh, one of the Makoto Shinkai films that I really enjoyed was um, Garden of Words. Because uh, it was it was so different, right? Yeah. Uh, and but the 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 funny the funny thing about liking that movie the best out of all of his works is like the premise is kind of creepy. Like once once you find out like what's actually going on in the film, and and you're just like, huh, mm, not so sure I, I I can get behind that, but whatever I guess. You know? They actually just so. turned it into a play. Um, the uh, Whole Hog Theater, the guys who did the Princess Mononoke play like ten years ago are now doing Garden of Words as a play. Interesting. Yeah. But I do agree yeah, that um, is his best film. Yeah, it's uh, and it's wonderfully rendered. It's it's a it's a beautiful looking movie. And uh, but uh, but yeah, like once 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 it really kicks off and 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 like it gets around the ending of the film, it's just it's just weird cuz I mean, I, I don't want to spoil it because I want people to see it, but it's. It, I just, I just found it to be weird. Like the premise was just bizarre to me. Yeah. Are we I talking mean, about like, like, when when you watch the red band version of Kite, and you're like, oh, that's the reason why she's with that guy. <laughs> no, it's it's just. I, I just don't. I just don't know. How, I'll like. I can talk about it off the record and just. Yeah, uh, don't spoil the stage it. play for me. Yeah. I got I got tickets next week. That's right. But all in all, okay movie. Here's the th- here's the thing too. Like, I know that Rad Wimps, Suzu, like Makoto Shinkai has been getting Rad Wimps every single time for the last three films. And they're the soundtrack they make is okay. But the problem I have with Rad Wimps is that they are just ripping off another Japanese band, Bump of Chicken. They're literally doing the same thing that Bump of Chicken is doing. And yet more people are talking about Radwimps and not so much Bump of Chicken. Interesting. Suzume, it's on Crunchyroll. You can stream it right now. Up to you. Uh, I did write down 7 out of 10. I don't know if I want to give it a 7 out of 10. I feel like it's it's like a between a 6 and a 7. Closer to a 6 than it is a 7? Yeah, it's closer more to a 6 than a 7. Hmm. How about a 6.6 repeating? <laughs> Repeating, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't we? I know some of us were able to watch some of it, not the whole thing, but I've been able to watch the whole thing. Why don't we talk about the Scott Pilgrim anime? Sure. I've uh, I've seen the first uh, two episodes. Okay. So I'll try to keep it spoiler free, but. As, as people know by now, like the Scott Pilgrim anime, Scott Pilgrim takes off. It's not the one-to-one adaptation of the original comics that no. a lot of people thought it was going to be. Yeah. Instead, it is a 
alternative telling where Matthew Patel actually wins the fight, seemingly killing Scott. And now it's Ramona trying to find out where Scott actually went. Hmm. She took off. Yeah, apparently the title gave it away without us knowing. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim takes off. Roll credits. <laughs> so and, and so Patel is the, the first fight, right? Yeah, yeah the Patel first is the first fight. Likes. Interesting. And then Matthew overthrows Gideon and the other members of the League of Evil go their separate ways. Oh. And then Ramona finds out that Scott is not dead, but was kidnapped, and now goes on the quest to find Scott and the person responsible for his disappearance. Which is probably one of the former members of the League. I mean, just like guessing, but it could possibly be someone completely different, but... Mm. I I could, I could mm. favor a guess as to who would make him disappear. But... Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, a, I, I'm an original... Yeah, I'm an original Scott Pilgrim aficionado, so I, I have a pretty decent idea of how the characters act and who they would, you know, yeah, who would be so motivated by that. So here's my thing, right? Like, yes. I, I honestly, like, especially in my older age, like, college was one thing. Uh, when it came to Scott Pilgrim, and and it was cool for an era, but the older I get, the less interested I I am in Scott Pilgrim because it's it's one of those it's one of those properties where there's no good guys. Everybody's kind of a scummy person, and uh, and especially Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim as a main character has always been a scumbag, right? Yeah. Uh, he is n- he is not somebody you want to aspire to be. Uh, the relationship that Ramona and Scott have is not a relationship that you want to aspire to have. And and everybody all around in the story is very apathetic and very and very numb to the world. And uh and and I the, the crazy thing that I thought that I when I, when I was looking into Scott Pilgrim um, was you know Brian Lee O'Malley who I share almost no values with at all, like as far as like personal life and 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 you know just how he um, how he thinks and whatever. Uh, he he wrote going into this Scott Pilgrim like this is the Scott Pilgrim that that I should have been telling from the beginning. Like this is the this is the real Scott Pilgrim that I wanted to write. And it's just like then why didn't you like when when you were writing like that's obviously a lie because you yeah. wrote seven you. Okay, because you wrote seven volumes of a comic book and yeah and nothing was stopping you from it's like okay so netflix got to you and said we want you to do this thing and quote unquote update it for a modern audience which kills all media yeah um and and does the whole bait and switch that that netflix always does with it like i said it happened to he-man it happened to castlevania now they did to scott pilgrim and uh, and 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 Brian Lee O'Malley was quoted saying in an article like, "Oh, I always wanted to tell the uh, I uh, or Scott Pilgrim is a bad guy. I always wanted people to know that Scott Pilgrim was a bad guy." Um, and you know, of course, this is like, "Oh, and and woman can do anything, so we're making you know strong women character." That's why Ramona is the main character. And it's just like, okay, like I understand, I get it, but but you told us a lie by by selling us this show saying that you were going to give a Scott Pilgrim like the way that everybody 
has been asking for it for forever. Like yeah. ever since the comic book was done, everybody's like, we want an animated Scott Pilgrim. And so the, the Netflix sold us a trailer as the animated Scott Pilgrim. And then of course they bait and switch us and say, nope, updated for modern audience. This is what, this is what you're getting instead. Like no wonder people are mad. Like if they, if they told us right out that that's what it, I mean, and, and yes, there are interviews out there where Brian Lee O'Malley said, this is not the Scott Pilgrim that you think it is, but they hid those, those articles on purpose. You had to go and find them. Yeah. The normal person, the normal person who is looking for this stuff is not going to go find those articles and read them. They want to watch Scott Pilgrim. So, uh, and so setting all of that aside, yeah. setting all of that aside, the animation is very bad. The animation is a very poor quality. The voice acting is awful because none of them were in the same room recording this together. So none of them could actually act off one another and play off of one another when they were recording their voice lines. Mm -hmm. You can clearly tell that they were all in different locations because they're major Hollywood actors and they don't have time to go to the recording booths and record something for this Netflix series. So they just you know, recorded their own things and probably their own private studios. Yeah. Cause you can tell the, like the voice qualities are different from character to character as well. Right. But, um, but, but they're not playing off each other. The voices are just dull and flat. Like you, like you get when you have video game characters, cause when you have video game voice actors, it's the same thing. Everybody records video games in completely different rooms. Um, and that's what it felt like. Uh, so the animation was bad. The voice acting was bad and the plot twist just, didn't do it for me. I did, like it could have worked if they wanted to tell a different story. Like I get it. I, I get why what they what they could have done, but it, it just didn't work for me. And because by episode two, I was bored. Right? Like it was yes. like it didn't it didn't capture me. It was this episode two was really boring. So uh, so I, I I just haven't I just haven't started episode three yet because I just don't care. I just don't. I'm sorry. I just don't care. So that's my take on it. That that that's my Scott Pilgrim take. And here's the thing, like, I shared your thoughts. Like, I, like, mm -hmm. agree with you about the first two episodes. And I, episode two was, like, hands down the worst of the bunch. Like, I thought mm -hmm. it was boring, the animation was shit, and even, and the voice acting was very poor. And like you said, everyone recorded different areas. Like, I could tell by the quality of each voice actor that no one used the same mic, no one used the same setup. Nobody recorded in the same spot. And I had almost dropped the show after episode two because of just how, just how poorly everything was written, how badly everything was written. But I wanted to soldier through. There was this part of me that said, okay, let's see where it might go. And I will admit that episode three started the show started to win me over again i noticed that the animation was got a lot better especially between the fight between ramona and roxy and the funny thing too is the way that roxy sounds um the woman who plays her may whitman she actually sounds more like what i pictured ramona would sound like when i first read the comics mm, yeah because when i read when i read the comics I pictured Kari Walgren and her Haruko voice as Ramona, and then Todd Habercorn, the voice of Kenaro from Sergeant mm -hmm. Frog, as Scott. Like, those were the two voices I pictured. Yeah, that's not a bad choice. Yeah. 
the whole hiring Hollywood actors to do the voices, like I get they were a part of the movie, but hiring Hollywood actors to do the cartoon just because they were in the movie is a really bad idea. Like a really bad idea. Because Hollywood voice actors are not, or Hollywood actors are not voice actors. Will Friedle actually talks about that all the time on his uh, is I Hear Voices uh, podcast. Um, that that he says that every Hollywood actor should try voice acting. It's a lot of fun, and everybody should get to do it. However, there are people who are voice actors, and yeah. they and you know they only use Hollywood actors in cartoons now to sell, you know, movie tickets, um, not to get good quality. And yeah, sounds right. like that's what we and that's what it sounds like we get here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they sold him off a of brand recognition because they're like, do you remember the Scott Pilgrim movie? Well, ooh, the voice actor Chris Evans in it. Remember he played Captain America? It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, but yeah, like, I, I again, I had the same thoughts about the first two episodes. But then I watched the other six, and I did wind up enjoying it for what it was. And the <laughs> thing about it is... I think it wound up being more of an add-on to the movie than to the comic itself. In, yeah, a, in a way, I felt like it attempts, I wouldn't say it succeeds, but it, it attempts to fix the problems of the film because there's an aspect of the movie where it feels like you're seeing a character and you're seeing, and you're not seeing the comic book version of this character, you're seeing the movie version of this character. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it really does a better job with with maybe adding some sort of closure to the film more so than than to the comic book. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense because I, as much as I love Edgar Wright, like to death, it was his his worst film. I would say. Well, because. Um... Yeah, I would have loved the Scott Pilgrim movie if they just did it in two in two films. Yep, you know, it absolutely would have worked as two films. Because because um, they did volumes one and two of Scott Pilgrim perfectly. I would say movie. one through three. I think it was one. No, through well, because well, because because they crushed three, four, five, six into the final edit of the movie, and and if they gave it one, two, and three. For for the first movie and then four five and six for the second movie, then it would have been perfect. It would have been a perfect film series. It would have been great. Edgar Wright would have would have soared with it. It would have it would have been fun. But instead, it was one two three four five six. Actually, as a matter of fact, um, is Scott Pilgrim six or seven volumes? Six. six, I believe. Six. Okay. Well, so six wasn't released when the movie came out. Correct. Which is why the the ending to the movie it's, is different than the comic yeah. books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's also that as well. Mm. I do, and I like I said, I, I like I feel like the, the the cartoon, the anime, actually does some some justice to the original source material when it comes to like the movie and how that movie wrapped up originally, and I feel like they kind of. Not exactly fixed, but they addressed the it, the elephant in the room of how the movie ended in in a very surprising way. Mm-hmm. Multiverse. Uh. 
<laughs> um, a lot of people actually compared it to what um, Hide- Hideaki Anno has done with the rebuild of Evangelion, where instead of like doing a one-to-one remake of Evangelion, yep. he kind of went back and like fixed some of the things that he wasn't able to do with the original Evangelion that he wanted to do, but didn't have the budget for. Sounds to me, though, that, like, the only difference is that Evangelion's good. Yeah, well, and and here's the other thing as well, right, is is Japan doesn't have the same updated for modern culture nonsense that the Western, audience, um, uh, Western industry has. Yeah. So he's able to take his property of Evangelion and do what he wants with it with his own vision. But... Brian Lee O'Malley is being handed a million dollars by Netflix and saying, like, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna make it about Ramona, and 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 it's like, but the the show's called Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> and and then the audience is confused for a little bit. Yeah. So, and, and like there like there wasn't anything about Evangelion where they were like, well, we're gonna make it so that Asuka's the main character. It's like, no, Shinji's still the main character. Like everything is still really depressing. And, uh, and we're going to keep it that way. So I, I get the I get, congratulations. Yeah, I get I get the comparison, but because of the cultural differences uh, as far as the industry goes and how scummy the American animation industry has become. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a very different monster. Yeah. But I will say that. I I mean I will. I I won't say I will implore you, Andrew, but I will say that. It wouldn't hurt to try to give it another go. Oh, I mean, I'll finish it eventually, maybe, like when I get around to it. But I'm currently watching Breaking Bad again right now, and so I gotta watch that. <laughs> <laughs> My schedule is full. Yeah, for like at least two weeks, while I watch the next six seasons of, of Breaking Bad again, again. <laughs> <laughs> so I would. So yeah, go watch it and then tell me I'm wrong again. Because I have that feeling. I have this really big <laughs> feeling. I have this big feeling like you will go watch it and then you will you will have the exact same feelings and emotions. And I will not be I mad. Mean, I will not be yeah. mad if you have that. that. Yeah. I mean, I am very critical of, of the animation industry. So it would not surprise me if I watched and I was just like, nah, that was still pretty garbage. You know, but, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Because... Because, because here's the here's the thing, right? As well, here's the other thing, is si- again, like I said, since college, I have fallen out of love with Scott Pilgrim. I don't aspire to be any of the characters. I don't even like any of the characters. So I hold no, I hold no like big opinions about it because I don't care about the property anymore, right? Yeah, like it's not my it's not my property anymore to like. Uh, so, so my feelings are fine. Do whatever you want with it. Like you're not breaking my heart in the same way that if, if Hollywood made a Thundercats movie and the Thundercats movie was garbage, it's like, well, I still got the 80 series and that's still good. You know, it, like I, I just wouldn't care. Okay. So uh, I can kind of see where yep. you're coming from, but this is coming from someone who has not read the comics and only knows the movie, mm-hmm. but I get angry at the movie now. Based oh, really? on Scott Pilgrim's choices. Mm. Interesting. I think we his choices aren't. Yeah, I actually choices. prefer the bonus ending over the original ending, where he goes back to the only person who ever actually respected him. Oh yeah, 
I don't remember that. I have Scott Pilgrim on Blu-ray, I'm pretty sure. So Yeah, there's the alternate ending on there. And I think yeah. the alternate ending fits so much better to the movie than it does yes. with the, with the with the comic book itself. Interesting. Like the yeah. comic so book as ending, someone who doesn't know the comic book, that alternate ending always seemed like it made way much more sense to me. And I almost get angry whenever I see the original ending because I'm just like, <laughs> no, you stupid fucking idiot. No, you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I really like that. I like that uh, that in, that take. Hmm. So, why don't we talk about our main topic, which is the Christmas season. Because right now, we're in full Christmas mode, both in Japan and America. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, for, on your end, like, when did you start seeing, like, the Christmas decorations start going up? And when did you see, like, stores start selling and start showcasing Christmassy stuff? Oh, good. Yeah, it was Halloween. No, it was before Halloween. <laughs> um, honestly, I'm dressing though, up like Santa for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, um, the biggest thing for me is, is TV. Uh, I now I don't really watch TV anymore, um, so uh, I don't really see a lot of commercials. But commercials do start uh, pre Thanksgiving, so so like they're really gearing up. Uh, like you know, basically, and and a lot of the times it, it, it's subtle, like it's just a normal commercial, but you'll hear like the sleigh bells like playing with the jingle behind the behind the scenes, and you're like, uh oh, they're gearing up, they're getting us ready, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. And um, the as far as the stores go, I don't really go out to the stores or anything like that, so I don't really see the merchandise. But I do know it's very early. Uh, as far as people putting up Christmas decorations, people I, I don't see Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving. Like, but it's but it's like the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that one is true. The people the people wait. The uh, retailers do not mm. obviously we we've known this forever but um but it is true i think this is the earliest i have ever seen my first christmas commercial it was before halloween and it was an old navy commercial and they were selling christmas sweaters wow wow yep um i actually have not seen any advertisements on television for christmas yet at all here in japan which I found really hmm. interesting. I don't know if they're just waiting for it to begin, you know, this coming week or whatever. But the stores around here have been preparing for Christmas since mid-October. Like, uh, well, the store you that guys go- were a day ahead of us, anyways. <laughs> 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 the um, the store that I go to a lot, the the, um, the furniture store Nitori. Like, I noticed that they were selling fake Christmas trees on there uh, the third week of October. And and then from there, I started seeing a lot of the other stores in Sunshine City and Ikibukuro and various other spots, slowly but surely getting into the holiday curse of spirit. Now, what I find interesting is that uh, the stores are in the holiday mode, but I'm noticing that the city is not yet in Christmas mode. Like, I don't see any any holiday lights being hung up or holiday decorations being hung up by in the city of Tokyo. Cause the thing is, I have seen like Tokyo looking amazing during the Christmas season, going all out for mm-hmm. it, but it hasn't happened yet. So it makes me wonder when it is, 
when these towns and cities start really going all out for the Christmas season because right. it hasn't happened yet. And, you know, it's also nice seeing nobody beating each other up for Black Friday deals or the big one Christmas the, stories or whatever. That's that's one of the things that I really um, that I really found interesting is that Japan still does have Black Friday stuff like they 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 do Black Friday. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, uh, I was on, I was on my art stream last night, uh, doing the show. And of course the host there has been living in Japan for 30 years. And, uh, he was the one who was talking about it and he was very upset because, because they do not have Black Friday anymore. Just like here in the States, we do not have Black Friday. Black Friday starts early and you have a whole month of Black Friday deals and they're not real deals. They are just the normal sale prices. Yeah, I've seen people right? like showing like the sales signs. <laughs> That's the normal sales sign being hidden behind the Black Friday sale sign and it's the same price. Oh yeah, you, you saw that video too? <laughs> yeah, I saw. I, I did see that one. Mm. But um, but Black Friday sales have always kind of been a myth. I mean, we, me and my, me and Jonathan worked in retail, um, and actually, our Black Friday deals weren't too bad. We we had some pretty good deals at Office Depot. Uh, yeah, we randomly we, got TVs. Like we randomly got like a, a stock of like fifty flat screen TVs that were just like yeah. autom- like in our store. And we didn't sell TVs. Yeah. Yeah, so so like we would get specialty items for Black Friday. So so that was when Black Friday was indeed real, you know, and it was only for Friday and you'd have to get up at 6 a.m. and you'd do the early shift and you would go in and, and you'd see the line of people. And it was not fun because it was just like, well, I'm glad I had to leave my family at Thanksgiving so that I could go sell these people some useless junk that they do not need and be angry with me. Um and then they but, take their rage out on everybody else. Oh, they really do. It's crazy, dude. It's so crazy. Like the first customer who walked in the door wanted to start a fight with us. Like, why are you here? Like, <laughs> go home. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so so it now we now we've gotten to the point where Black Friday starts early, and and it's not actually black friday anymore it's it's not what it used to be and i was never an advocate for black friday to begin with me um, neither me neither like i i thought it was i thought it was just kind of a scummy thing because i'd rather people stay home and visit with their families for thanksgiving not like go consume things and and do do these weird like and yeah sure some people make a make a fun family trip out of it and, and it's like, that's what we do. We go out to all the stores. And I was like, what's fun about that? You're just like, you're just in mobs of people. And well, also, <laughs> like, none of us were old enough to be at that point where we had to go out there to buy the Tickle Me Elmo for our kids. That's yeah, right. Or the Cabbage Patch kids. Or the, yeah, or the Cabbage Patch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that, yeah. Well, and that was the cool, that was the crazy thing too, right? Is none of us are old enough to have gone and do that, but none of us were young enough to get one of those. Yeah. So like we, we missed those, those eras entirely. That being said, we did catch the last good couple years of, of black Friday, which is like you wake up 
on the day after Black Friday, like you wake up Saturday morning and you go onto YouTube and you look at all the cell phone videos that popped up on the internet from the night before. <laughs> that people trampling each other. That was my Black Friday. You get up and you celebrate all of the dead people. <laughs> <laughs> the tug of wars. Yep. yep. People start fist fights. And, and that legit doesn't happen anymore. Like that bit of our culture is gone. Because like now it's Cyber Monday. Like everybody does Cyber Monday now, and everybody stays no, it's home. Just on uh, World Star now. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good thing that that is that is kind of over because. Oh yeah, no, it's know, a very good thing. It's yeah. a very good thing because it's like this. This is humanity at its lowest point when you see people fighting people to the death for a plastic over, toy. Yeah, over useless junk. <laughs> Yeah, one hundred percent. Maybe we're getting better in society. Maybe, maybe the sign of Black Friday mayhem ending is a sign that we're getting better in society. Uh, teach maybe. high school, and then you'll find out. <laughs> I mean, I teach junior high school. Yeah, they haven't they haven't full gone into full swing yet. You don't think so? They're just I'm learning in, about hormones. I'm yeah, like. Middle schoolers are gross, but high schoolers are like are mean, evil people. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's interesting too how like you know we treat Christmas in the West as this you know big thing and we like this this day for the family. Where like here in Japan, it, it's based. So here's the thing: like the Christmas and New Year's. The meanings and what it what it means are switched in Japan. Christmas, while you know kids do enjoy it, it's more of the romantic holiday for like teens and adults, mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of dates happen this day. Whereas with New Year's in Japan, that's the time to be with the family and celebrate the end of the old year and the beginning of the new year. Whereas, and watch twenty four and watch twenty four hours of uh, Ryan Seacrest. Like, no, twenty four oh, hours. Right no, oh. Three Stooges. Yeah. No, no. no what's the What's the show? Uh, twenty four yeah, hours. Gake, of Don't Gake, laugh. Gake no Sukai. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's true. See, dude, I would totally do that if I was yeah. if I lived in Japan. I would be watching Gaki no Sukai every Thanksgiving or uh, or New Year's because that is hilarious. Add it to the ducket list. That's right. <laughs> Maybe, but like in the West, you know, Christmas is the family holiday, and then New Year's is the romantic one. Yeah, it's it is it is very that is interesting. You know what I you know what I've always really liked about uh, Japanese Christmas, like that the thing that I thought was really cool is they still hire a a white man to play Santa in Japan because. Because e- because even in Japan, culturally Santa is a you know Scandinavian. Yes. And 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 like he's not an Asian. Like you can have Asian Santa, sure. But but like historically, when when little kids in Japan see Santa, it is still a old white man. And and I think that is like such a cool thing that they actually hire these people, these white actors, to play Santa. In, in Japan for that the, ever? For the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm not old enough for the part there, Derek. Yeah, and he's lost all of his weight. Yeah, that too. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the magic of Hollywood, though. You can make it work. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not Tim Allen, dude. I don't think I can do that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it one thing that ah, I wish people would start latching onto Krampus here in Japan? Like we latched onto Krampus in the last few years. The Aquabats did it the best. They did do it the best. <laughs> they they made uh, when they were on the Hub Network, uh, a network for children. They made an episode of the Aquabat Super Show that taught the lesson that bad kids still deserve to get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's those those uh, Mormon those Mormon values. <laughs> 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 Uh, I yeah. think um, Quanzabot from Futurama deserves more love. Uh, Coolio. I still uh, listen to uh, Reggie Watts's Kwanzaa Juice every oh, every yeah. year. Oh yeah. Got my head up in a little Kwanzaa Juice. I got the Kwanzaa. Who did Kwanzabot? Was that Coolio? It was yeah, someone who just Coolio. passed away. That was Coolio. Yeah, yeah. That's why the most yep. recent Futurama episode with. Kwanzabot was dedicated in his memory because it was the last thing he recorded before he passed away. Oh, wow. So after this, there'll probably be no more Kwanzabot. Hmm. Thanks. Thanks, Coolio. You ruined it. <laughs> ruined it for everybody. See, sure if he gets a Grammy, ju- see if he gets a Grammy just like Heath Ledger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one would be an Emmy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, right. TV yeah. as opposed to movie. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It would be... I mean, and the Grammy is music, which Detroit which Coolio could get. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. If, if they come out with like a lost album of his, he could win it for that. Just like mm. Tupac and Rachel. And that trophy would look really nice sitting <laughs> in Gangster's Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> is this the shortest topic that we're ever going to have? That's what I'm trying. Like, yeah, it might be the shortest topic we ever have. It's like, is there any equivalent to the 12 days of Christmas over there? No, there isn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk. Let's well, yes, talk about um, the shortest. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, American traditional stuff that you do like caroling. And um, I don't know, Muppets Christmas Carol yeah. and, and Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that was just caroling, caroling, and Jesus. <laughs> so, Evan, what do you see on your end that you know Christmas over here? So, like, what do you see in Japan that is going to be reflective of, you know, I American do, culture? You know, I do see carolers. I do see some carolers singing in on some corners of Ikebukuro. You know, singing. The traditional stuff, the jingle bells and deck the halls and Christmas card with a from a hooker in Minneapolis. You know, those kinds of Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't they don't know what it means. They just they're just singing in English. Yeah, Charlie I'm pregnant no. <laughs> Down in Fifth Avenue. It's so like, are there fun. bands that do write their own Christmas songs? For Japan, there are actually. Um, what's what's the Japanese equivalent of "All I Want for Christmas Is You"? Right. Uh, 
there's the um and it's funny because it's actually the theme song that Gigak uses for when he talks about the seasonal anime and it's like the the, the happy merry christmas song huh that's that, funny yeah that song is the christmas song so i've got a question too yeah so when i think of christmas i usually think of caroling caroling and jesus <laughs> How does the workplace celebrate Christmas time? It's sometimes it's just an average day for for some folks. I mean, there'll be some once for some workplaces in Japan they'll have a Christmas party, you know, like like an after work sort of thing. But as I mentioned, it's more of more of a romantic holiday on Christmas. So it's more about people going out on dates rather than meeting up with friends and family. It's uh, it's, it's for the kids. In yeah. Jesus, not in Japan. So, I guess that's the thing. Yeah, I think this is going to be the shortest. So, I, I think I think there's something to say about that. Then being like, if if there's not that much to really talk about, does I mean, Christmas as a like as a whole in Japan just doesn't really seem that present you know like there isn't days off from school yeah. um Christmas yeah yeah right that's good pun um but so like like do kids get just a day off of school or do they get you know christmas eve or do they get you know anything like that like are they going to wake up christmas morning and they're going to find presents under the tree i really don't know any of these things so so you know, from like, working with us at the school, we do get winter break off. I know that the last day of school is technically December 22nd, and then everyone comes back at around January 10th. Holy crap, oh, wow. that's a long break. Yeah, because they go all out for New Year's. Yep. They do get the chance to at least have the day off for Christmas and then all the days off throughout New Year's and all that. Yeah. So nine recovery like, days, okay. <laughs> yeah, a, so like a a traditional Christmas from like us growing up is like we wake up in the morning, have breakfast with our family, and then we go to the tree and we open up presents. Some people do it differently, you know. Some people get up first and immediately open up presents, and then they start their day, whatever that might be. So like, is there uh, any of that in the Japanese households? Do you know? Um, I really don't know. I know for, um, I know some of my friends who have kids, they'll, they'll decorate the house and do gifts and all that stuff. But I don't, I don't know if they got it more from studying abroad in America or if it's something that mm. they were able to do as ki- when they were kids and they're just passing on the tradition. Hmm. Interesting. Do they have Christmas tree farms where people can cut down their own tree and bring home a real Christmas tree for their no, house? No, they don't have that. So if you want a tree, you got to buy a fake one. So, like, I have not seen anybody selling real Christmas trees that have been cut down anywhere around where I'm at in, in Japan. Yeah. Think that if they don't have cheese, they don't have room for dairy farms. They don't have room for Christmas tree farms. And cheese <sighs> always comes first. <laughs> <laughs> No Christmas trees, no Christmas cheese. <laughs> I do think you can buy some Christmas cheese from 
from one of the shops here in Ikibukuro. Imported. Pro yeah, it, it's imported. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely imported. So. That's funny. All right, let, let's stick a fork into that conversation. Let's move on to the quack quiz. <laughs> okay. I've got five questions here. Oh, boy. All right, let's see if anyone will be able to guess these or not. I like to stump these people. So, question one. I talked about how I stumbled upon the Banksy shop in Oyama Happy Road. What was the name of the Oscar-nominated documentary about and co-directed by Banksy? Uh, exit through the gift shop. You got it. <laughs> One of the best documentaries, in my opinion. Right. I haven't seen it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I know what it is, I, though. And it, you, it's definitely one of the best. Okay. Mm. I talked about Cowboy Bebop and their exhibition. Name one episode of Cowboy Bebop that was named after a Rolling Stones song. Sympathy for the Devil. That's correct there. Any other takers? Oh, there's more than one? Yeah, there's more than one. Jumpin' Jack Flash. No. <laughs> uh, well, we already got it right. We can't lose points on this. <laughs> you can't always get what you want. <laughs> oh. Brown-eyed girl. That's Ann Morrison. <laughs> it sounds like I'm okay. So you're black. thinking of brown sugar, and that is a somewhat racist stone song. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Womp, womp, womp for racism. So, besides womp. Sympathy for the Devil, there was Honky Tonk Women, which was the episode uh. that introduced us to Faye Valentine. Yeah, it is. There was Wild Horses. And then there was Hard Luck Woman. And technically, mm -hmm. there was one more, Jamming with Edward. And Jamming with Edward was an album recorded with Mick Jagger, Bill Wyman, and Charlie Watts, alongside Ry Cooter and Nicky Hopkins. Ha, his name is Cooter. Yes. So no, so no Keith Richards. No Keith mm. Richards on that album. Must have been a very awkward situation there. <laughs> So he was a little I, too Rolling Stoned at the time. Probably. <laughs> See, I knew Honky Tonk Woman was an episode of Cowboy Bebop. I honestly did not know that it was a... Yeah, I, I didn't I, know that was the title of a, of a Stone song. Yeah. Yep. It's one of their most famous ones. Uh, honky Tonk Woman. No, no. Give me, give me, give me my Honky Tonk Blues. Honky Tonk, but Donk a Donk. <laughs> yeah, they were ahead of their time. They, they knew the sounds, they just didn't get it quite right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question three. The Cherry Cokes are regulars on which annual Flog and Molly cruise? Oh, you said it. And I remember that you said it. <laughs> but... Oh, it was Salty Dog or something like that. Yeah. Salt... Oh, did I get it right? Yeah, the Salty Dog Cruise. Hey. That's amazing. Makoto Shinkai got his foot in the door thanks to writing, directing, voice acting, 
and animating all on his own, which OAV? Who cares? Uh, uh, <laughs> an an um, OAV? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the only one that I can really think of that was like the beginning of Makoto Shinkai's career was, was five centimeters per second or something like that. This was right before five centimeters per second. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, um, huh. two girls, one cup. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. The famous Makoto Shinkai. <laughs> it was Probably the year he always wanted. Yeah, it's the uh, it's 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 almost his quality, too. I've never seen it. I've, I've, I've never seen it. I've honestly I've, I don't even know if that joke is true. I've never seen two girls, one cup. I only know the premise. Uh, That's all you I was one of the lu- I was one. I was one of the lucky ones. Uh, I've ne- thank I you, never Salem State. Yeah, I, I, I was never I never was tricked into watching it. I was tricked into watching cake farts and pudding farts. <laughs> <laughs> Another great OAV. <laughs> by Masho, by Makoto Shinkai, believe it or not. Yes. All right. The answer is Voices of a Distant Star. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. okay. That was that close. All right. You guys yep. are th- have three right so far, so you're doing better than past ones. The That's final so average. Ones. Yeah. I got one this time. Yeah. All right. The final question. So this is kind of a spoiler, but not too much of a spoiler. Okay. In episode six of Scott Pilgrim takes off, the <sighs> song A-Punk by Vampire Weekend plays as as Gideon, played by Jason Schwartzman, makes a mess of Julie's house with Lucas Lee. What was the name of the anime? That Vampire Weekend frontman Ezra Cohen created that also oh. co-starred Jason Schwartzman. This oh my god, question. I should know this. I yeah, should know like, this. What the heck? <laughs> oh my god. Like, who do we know that likes Vampire Weekend? Oh wait, it's Derek. But here's the thing. Jonathan and I have talked about this on the Wicked Anime Podcast show way back when. Yeah, I remember having this conversation. I have no idea what the contents of that conversation <laughs> were. It's two words, mm-hmm. I think. Sounds like. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a hint. Toblerone was involved. Oh, yes. Okay. It was that um, the Jaden. No. no, it was a Jaden Smith anime. Oh, the the Neo Yokio? Yes. Neo Yokio. Yes. yes. Oh. Good job. That yeah. was a team effort. Run. Yeah. yeah. And a, John Star and I had a conversation about that on a Wiki Anime episode, and we both liked it for two totally different reasons. I, I liked it. You liked it. You like? I mean, that you, was a. You actually <laughs> you actually liked it because of how bad it was. Oh, okay, all right, there we you go. You liked yeah. it because of how bad it was. I liked it because of how intentionally pretentious it was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because my guess was, was like, well, first off, in Wicked Anime, our rule was that we never liked anything. And then, um, and then second of all, I was thinking, like, what part would I have liked? And I was like, probably the credits. So I was like, it was probably right. <laughs> it was one of those ones that you said you, you thought it was bad, but it was entertainingly bad. 
just like a certain Danzig movie that's finally coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, All of dude. them? Oh, <laughs> dude, you have no idea how freaking excited, ex- like, oh my gosh. <laughs> For anybody who's listening and has never seen a Glenn Danzig movie, you are missing out on the greatest filmmaking of your life. And if you know yeah. who Neil Breen is, he's the Neil Breen of horror. Yeah. It's dude, it's so funny. He his movies are so they're good. Like it's they're fun to watch with friends. They really yeah. truly are. Get get a huge group of friends together and just have the time of your life. Oh my gosh. But I am going to be the proud owner when it comes out. I'm going to be the proud <laughs> owner of um the Van, uh, House of Vampires, something, something yeah, in the House, House of Vampires, some yeah, House uh, Death Rider in the House of Vampires, Death Rider in the House of Vampires. Oh boy, what a gem! Oh, it's such a good movie. They hired, they got Danny Trejo for like one day of shooting, not even a day, an afternoon an of hour. shooting. Yeah, so that he could, so that he could be in less than five minutes of the movie and immediately die. It, it was just, it was so good. But they give him top billing. Yeah, and and not only that, but the the movie is is a full length feature film. It's an hour and a half long because the first fourteen minutes of the movie are Death Rider walking through the desert, and that's it. <laughs> no, no, just just like stock stock Western Wild West music and him walking through the desert and nothing else. That's fourteen minutes of the movie. So basically, just no like, shame padding. <laughs> nope. <laughs> What was that? Glenn Dan- Danzig knew exactly what he was doing. He's per- <laughs> he's perfectly good at, m- at making movies. <laughs> Glenn Danzig saw saw a student saw a student film once and was just like, "Yes, this is peak. This is this is peak filmmaking." <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, all right. Andrew, plug away. Okay. Um, well, uh, if you would like to check out what I'm doing, uh, you can head to solariansun.com where you can read my webcomic for free. Yesterday, I posted up to page 277, which is the beginning of chapter 10 of Solarian Sun, which is going right into uh, volume two. However, you can become a member at patreon.com and support the Solarian Sun team for five dollars a month to get all the pages that you can, and I am posted. I have posted up to page six, uh, yeah, six hundred and fifty, which is the end of chapter twenty-two. Which means we will be posting chapter twenty-three starting next week. And speaking of six hundred and fifty pages, uh, volume three of Solarian Sun will be on Kickstarter and ready for print. Coming this January, probably anywhere between January 16th and the 18th. Now, uh, the pre-launch page for the Kickstarter is up. So if you go to kickstarter.com slash project slash AFLM slash Solarian dash sun dash volume dash three dot com. <laughs> yeah, not dot com. Uh, you, will, you can uh, hit that pre-launch page and be notified of, uh, of the uh, impending launch that will be coming up in January. And you can back a book, and volumes one through three will be available for purchase in both digital and physical formats. Uh, you can you can have access to all the old 
Kickstarter rewards that you may have missed out on. Plus, we'll have all new Kickstarter rewards, including stickers, art, and guest art uh, uh, by uh, Fong, uh, Fong Netic, uh, my good friend Fong Lee, and uh, Scotty Arts, Chris, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Scott of uh, the Ray Fox comic. So look forward to that. Very cool. John Star. Well, you can find me on Instagram at the line block. If you want to see some mediocre artwork and some random photos that I post every once in a while. That's all. Don't call it mediocre, man. You do a good job with your artwork. <laughs> Thank you. And lastly, Derek. Awesome. Well, uh, you can uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at elite for Derek. I still have not posted anything on those. Um, otherwise, I uh, I see two banished angels who find a loophole that would get them back into heaven. The only snag, they'll be destroying existence in the process. In an effort to stop them, the overworked voice of God taps me to save the world by preventing the angels from reaching their unholy destination, New Jersey. Throw in two unlikely prophets named Jay and Silent Bob, the quick-witted yet little-known 13th Apostle, and a sexy former muse with the case of writer's block, and you've got a hysterical and thrilling race against time, packed with an all-star cast that Entertainment Weekly called the best 10 movies of 1999. And that's um, what I'm up to. So I'm just watching Dogma. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, the next episode of Dakamaka Japan will be the last episode of 2023. And I think we're going to do something of a best of. It's not exactly the wikis. Maybe we call them the muckies? (laughs) The duckies. The duckies. I mean, that is certainly what it will be if it's the muckies. Yeah. The muckies talking about we'll talk about the best of we'll talk about our highlights of the year and we'll talk about what we thought the best in maybe gaming and anime or movies I don't know we're still talking about it it'll be a surprise <laughs> for all of us <laughs> yep. no horse girls what there might a- be Actually, what uh, what came out in January? I dude, I, this is my problem every year. Is just like, what was the beginning of this year? I don't even remember. That's why I have a list, dude. Like, I make a list of everything I watch. Screw your list. I don't have a list. <laughs> <laughs> you and Santa Claus. You and Santa Claus. That's in right. your list of things you're watching. Yeah. Anyways. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget to follow us on B3Crew.com and follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at KingBabyDuckESH. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so until next time, this is your King Baby Duck. AFLM. John Star. Italy for Derek. Reminding you that if you're going to chase your dreams, Make, Make sure, sure you run, you run amok. 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 Almost, almost. <laughs> that. It was our best take. It was, I think it it was, was the best take. one so far. Yeah. Is it I even, because I, I even was quiet? <laughs> <laughs> I even stopped and slowed down a little. Yeah, Derek, you mouthed it. And it was like, ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, mouthed it on, a, on audio. That's perfect. Yeah, yes. we'll dub it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> K-bye! Bye. Bye, everybody. But it sure helps. Yes.